Welcome to episode 347 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 347 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good. Not too happy about uh, the end of summer over here in Christchurch. What, but do you hey, think it's the end? No, but it's not very nice out there. Well, seriously, we've had the, probably the best summer we've had in a few years, haven't we? It has been the most, the sunniest January on records. Oh, really? Well, there you go. It's official. And we've had one rainy day and John's calling it winter. Yes. Because <laughs> I have to bike here. One rainy day I have to bike here because normally I've been in a car. Why didn't you bring the car? Well, Thomas is at school now. Belinda, I thought Belinda might want to drive him to school so he doesn't get soaking wet in the rain. Is that like a two-minute walk? Well. Character building. They were still in bed. I didn't have a chance to discuss it. Uh, I would have just taken it <laughs> and then got home and faced the wrath of consequences afterwards. I talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofwai.com. Actually, I wouldn't have taken the car because I always end up biking, but... Coffees of Hawaii right now would be quite nice. It's a little bit tight, John. Athlinks.com. And then I could tell people how tired I am on Athlinks. And extreme endurance. And I could overcome my tiredness with extreme endurance. There you go. I'm not sure if that's true, but we'll claim it. <laughs> that's right. Oh, Bevan, where's my water today? Oh, we'll have to get some water soon. I'm a bit like that too. I'm sound a bit crusty. Mm. That's okay. We'll survive. Okay, team, in this week's show, what have we got happening? We've got a bit of news. We've got a little bit of an age group of the week. We've got a website of the week. We've got an interview, John. Tell us about this guy. This interview could be quite good, I think. Um, actually, I'm just on the, just a side note, I'm on the Metaman. But well, in Tan website, news. I know, but there's a t- Tanyapura guy running along in a Tanyapura uh, singlet, so good on you. Uh, the interview today is going to be all about hydration from the sports scientist guys. What's his name? Jonathan Dugas. Oh, sportscientist.com. Uh, Bevan, uh, just the website, their website is, we'll come to it later, we'll come to it later, okay. it's going to be... We'll come to it later. It's going to be, it's going to be... Yeah, no, sports scientist blogs. Yeah. Yeah, they're great blogs. Yeah. Those guys are really brainy, John. I know. He's not, he's, not, he's not showing up here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just not. It's just kind of pretend we're really wise. Questions and answers, guys, and uh, then we're going to get into it. So let's get into it. We've got a bit of news, and news uh, starts off this week with a pretty good piece of news for some pros out there. We've got the Meta Man, which is going to be happening in Southeast Asia. Now, where exactly is it, John? It's on Bintan Island, which is just uh, a little ferry trip from Singapore, so pretty easy to get to. And uh, second year they've held it. Last year they did have... Good prize money, but this year they have raised the bar in a big way. Okay, so the prize money has gone up to 150,000 US. The winner will take 40, and this is both male and female, uh, second, 16, third, eight, fourth, four, fifth, second, and sixth will take home a grand. So pretty good prize money. <sighs> pretty good. That's like the, outside of Abu Dhabi and Hawaii, that has got to be the biggest prize money anywhere. The only thing about it is, unfortunately, it's not a great time of the year. It's... If you want, you know, like if yeah. you had this in June, if, if you're a Kona, um, if you're trying to get top Kona guys, yeah, you're not going to get many of them there in August the 31st. Yeah. But to be realistic, you're probably not going to get many of them racing in Asia, regardless, just because of the conditions and, and the potential for explosions. So, this if you had it in June, mm, whatever they've had Ironmans in, in, in Southeast Asia before, that they've never, I've never seen a, a world champion athlete or anything like that go over there and race. With the exception of Chrissy Wellington when she won Korea in her first ever Ironman and crushed everybody. Um, so I think, She never really evolved to anything, did she? No, no. hoax. <laughs> um, so I think realistically, you know, you're never going to get the top guy. I don't know, like, can, we, can we say that maybe we would if 
this was in June because I think the thing is it's sure you can say well none of the Asian races have really drawn top guys but there are Ironmen so the money wasn't there let's ask them next time we have somebody on yeah because if you think of like someone like Crowey 40 grand why wouldn't you Instead just of doing like the risk is so I much higher. Kings. The risk is so much higher for them to explode and get beaten and finish third and get eight. So, yeah. yeah but what, what are you getting an Ironman nowadays if you win? Other than uh, the championship races, you'll, you probably get a lot more coverage for your sponsors. You're not giving. I'm. Trust me, Bevan. Trust oh, okay. me. Okay. Just, just trust. This is blindly listen to you. Yeah. Story of my life. Exactly. So. Awesome prize money. It's a well done to the guys at um, the Metaman race. Um, I really just hope that they do get a really good, strong string of second tier athletes. It's funny, sometimes people put up this money, and, and you know, there was a, some races they just don't rock up, like Embraer Man. You know, again, another incredibly difficult race. Mm. Prize money is, is, is I think, about 100,000 euros from, from memory. How do anybody turns up? I'm like, what? What are you guys thinking? Maybe you should come so, out of retirement, John. Well. Yeah, you could bring it earlier because you could probably pull off a fifth year, couldn't you? Oh, it just it totally depends on who turns up. 40 grand. Imagine if you've got 40 grand. Hold on. It's US. He's imagining. He looks like he's going for a poo. Yeah, that would be pretty good. <laughs> he, just, he just pooed himself. So that's sensational. And it's uh, they have a half as well as a full. So um, for guys that are building up for Kona, um, great opportunity, really good timing to go into a half um, for, for age groupers and, and pro athletes. You know, the timing for Kona is, is very good. It's on August the 31st. Um, Sport's pretty popular around that region as well, isn't it? You know, like Hong Kong, you, you know, Singapore. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, a, you know, my friend Luke, he'll probably race it. Nice. He'll do a half, yep. So Meta Man, thumbs up from me for... Uh, for stumping up some good cash and really trying to make make a good pro field. Hopefully they turn up. Yeah, same. Um, okay, breaking news, John. We've got some breaking news. It was breaking news last week. Is it still breaking news? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, there's going to be another Ironman in Japan. Yes. So a few years ago we lost Alle- the race. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly coming out today. Yes. There's a new you heard call- it first. Oh, you heard it first, allegedly, on here. So basically what happened was a few years ago, the one of the Ironman, Ironman Japan now, why did it get called off? Was it the course or was it local no, it was, officials? I thought it was the, uh, the earthquake. Uh, the earthquakes. Oh, okay, that probably or, makes sense. Or it was, some, it was some sort of disaster. Yep, something happened and the race got pulled off and then it didn't really come back. And they put the race on in the same course, didn't they? Someone else did it, remember? On S- Sado Island. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I vaguely remember something like mm. that. But after a three-year hiatus... That was Korea. Was it? It was Korea. Are you sure? Positive. Okay. Okay, oh boy, I'd never doubt you. Mm. Um, basically, there's word on the street says that this summer is going to happen again. Yes, so the Juicinator has got this news from a, an inside Try source. Trijuice.com. Uh, so you can go check that out on Trijuice.com. Lake Toya. Mm-hmm. Which is um, part of the Japan? Yep, part of Japan. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the one thing, the, the problem with this race is, is allegedly it is going to be on August the thirty first, which is the same day as Meta Man, oh. which is kind of sucks. You've got hardly any iron distance races in uh, in Southeast Asia, and boom, now all of a sudden you've got two on the same day. Well, so that's a bit of a bugger. Juicinator thinks it's going to be a fast course. Looks beautiful. It yeah. does look beautiful. But mm. he thinks it's going to be a fast course. Right up in the north of Japan. So you Southeast Asian athletes, there you go. Another race for you. Where do you go, Japan or Meta Man, John? I'd go to Meta Man. Why? Because they're stumping up some serious cash. But let's assume you couldn't win any of that cash. I'd, I'd still support them because they're supporting the pro athletes. Nice, and John. And I'd like to see that. Good answer. Yes. Good work, Justin Ada. 
you broke you broke a story. Go to trijuice.com. I do want to Juice, Juice Dunn does pretty good at that, doesn't he? He's pretty good at getting the, the scoop. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's a one man band, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah. good on you, Juice Dunn. Well done. Yeah. Okay, well we had uh, the Panama seventy point three champs on this weekend, and uh, Bevan Doherty failed to defend his title. What's happened, to Bevan Doherty? I still finished second. No. He still beat Richie Cunningham, Dirk Bockle, um, but I agree he won't be happy about not winning the race. Yes. So Oscar Galindez, man, that guy is, I don't know, how old is he? Let's have a look. 64. I don't, doesn't, 42. 42. Bevan's not going to be He's happy about owner. getting beaten by a 42-year-old. I th- I'm not happy about it either. No. Um, he has been around. It's not like he's 42 and he started late. He's been around for donkey's years but he is an axe so Oscar Galindez took it out now remember from last year this is the race where Bevan Doherty took down Lance Armstrong um, right at the end of the the run um, so it's another solid performance by Bevan um, but not spectacular so let's hope that he's uh, just putting in the huge big mileage and really cranking it and is ready for Taupo I think the thing about Oscar Galindez is, how do you say Galindez? Galindez. Galindez. Which more impressive is that it's a slower, it's a faster course. You know what I mean? Like if you go, older guys tend to be able to hold out an Ironman, mm. but when they go 70.3, they tend to lose that speed. So for him to beat a guy like Bevan, who sure isn't far, um, young in Olympic distance, but is an, is an Ironman dude, mm. he's got plenty of years in front of him. So Oscar Galindez swam 22, biked 215, which basically meant he put nearly four to five minutes into the field and then held on with a 116. 35 to beat Bevan by around about a minute and a half. So Bevan uh, ran through with a 115 um, and good steady swim and bike, but uh, just got smoked on the bike by Oscar Galindez. Very impressive. Richie Cunningham in third, Dick Buckle in fourth. Yeah, and so the girls? I didn't even look at the girls, to be honest. Bevan, uh, I was just interested to see how Bevan went. Heather, Heather Wirtle smoked everybody with a 421 from Camilla Peterson and Kelly Williamson third. She's the American girl, isn't she? She's the great American hope in the girls, isn't she? Who? Kelly Williamson. She's a great swimmer. Remember at, at Ironman they were talking about, I think she even did the media conference. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. Good memory, Bevan. Yep. Good memory. I try. Give you a little thumbs up for today. Well Thanks, done. mate. Thanks. I feel proud. Okay, tell me about, tell me about Marcus Backstead. I've never heard of him. Oh, so, so I don't right. really follow cycling, but... So Slow Twitch, on Slow Twitch, they got an interview there with um, Maggie Backstead, who used to be a former cyclist. Uh, he was very good. I think. John, he, can we ask a question that may not be the right question to ask right now? Mm-hmm. Is he of the era of drugs? Yep. <laughs> so do we do we assume? Uh, I think it'd be safe to assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, the question is, was he in that era? Yes, he was. So uh, when was he around? Um, so he was probably no, well, no, probably fair. He's probably more towards the end of the era. Okay. He was so he wasn't early nineties. He was probably late nineties and into the two thousands. So maybe no. Oh, no, there's no drugs at that time. It was absolutely none whatsoever. <laughs> Remember what Lance said, and what was his comeback year? No, he was not, like, that was the late two thousands. Yeah, there was no chance to took no, drugs no in those then, ones. No, no, not at all. Because that old statute of limitations yeah, or whatever right. it's called. Yeah, no, I, um, I never did it. So actually, to be fair, he's probably moving into the window where it was becoming cleaner. So. He was a fantastic cyclist. Um, I think he won Paris Roubaix and uh, and always got a lot of coverage on the news. Big hulking, big guy, not your typical cyclist sort of body, um, and just a big, strong, strong cyclist. So, so what, what, top top pro guy. What, like a sprinter, like a um, probably more of a classic sort of guy. You know, the the long, tough classic. And he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, relative to cyclists, so yeah. I'm not. I don't know his uh, his height and weight, but he was. Whenever you saw him on the box, he was he was a lot bigger than the other guys. So, so he's talking about doing a sub nine, and he wants to do Kona in his first Ironman, or, or do mm. a sub nine in his first Ironman. So they had a video interview with him, and 
he, he claims that he's got quite good running pedigree from his uh, sort of pre-cycling days and claims that he thinks he'll be in sort of one-hour shape for his first, for his first Ironman. Um, and he's basically doing this as a, it sounds like a, a full-time gig and, and pretty seriously. So he was talking up a sub-nine at his first race, which I think is is not not unrealistic. Um, what would he bike? So wait a second, how far out of cycling has he been? Uh, not too long, you know, a couple of years. Um, so if he sharpens up, he's going to be pretty, yeah. pretty so, I mean, mean on the bike. You just do the numbers, you know, if he, if he swims an hour and bikes, you know, if he goes onto one of the fast courses, he's going to be biking quicker than 4.30, but let's just say it's 4.30, that's 5.30, so all he's got to do is run a 3.30 or under, mm. which for a guy of his calibre of fitness, and if he can run like he claims he can, that should be pretty straightforward. Yep. But the difference between a sub nine and a, an eight hour flat on a fast course is quite significant. Just a little bit. Um, so he, he was talking it up, you know, he was saying, you know, I want to go to Kona and win my age group um, and then I want to turn pro and, you know, who knows from there. And he was sort of saying, you know, I'd love to win Kona and stuff. So I think that might... How old is he, John? Um, I'm going to guesstimate that he would be easily mid about mid-30s. For John, uh, maybe. he could be a threat for you. For Project 2014. Well, hopefully he's going to race this year and then he'll be out of my age group. Oh. Uh, hopefully. Because if he's in your age group, there's, there's, there's a bit of problems here, isn't there? No, there's no problem. Spike his tyres, eh? He's going down. He's going down, down. Okay, well, that'll be interesting to watch. Sponsor. Sponsor. Be honest, I was about to go off and do a bit more research on Magnus Backstead, but that's oh, okay. Oh, okay, you need to do some research. I'll, I'll talk about something else. Okay. One thing I want to talk about, guys, is I've just released my latest fitness behaviour podcast and this month, I'm really proud to say it's probably one of the best ones that we ever have, and it's, it's because basically I'm not doing it. We, ha- I have um, this guy called Lance Dodes, Dodes, um, who is the world leading professional on. He's like a Harvard professor and everything on addiction, right? And we talk about addiction. We talk. We we kind of more talk around food addiction, and uh, and how to you know what are the issues around. But we just there's more of a discussion around addiction in general. But also for let's be honest, there's a few athletes out there who are addicted to our sport in a way that's probably a little bit unhealthy. And um, it's just a really really great interview. So if you are if it kind of spikes your ears and you want to kind of have a listen to it, just go to my website bevanjamesisles.com. I'll um, also put a link to that on www.iamtalk.me and then you can just go check it out. You, if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, but geez, this guy was pretty wise and he had some pretty great insights, so check it out. Um, my ears weren't spiked then, I was concentrating on yeah, Magnus Backstead. Yeah. Um, so we've got to give Magnus Backstead a bit of love, love here. He runs a coffee business with franchises in the US and Sweden. Unfortunately, it's not Coffees of Why. Proceeds from the business support Swedish cycling. Nice. It's on Wikipedia, it must be true. It must be true, John. So he won Perry Robay in 2004. Um, Bevan, you're right, he is going to be in my age group. He was born on the 30th of January, oh. 1975. So, I, I should, yep, he'll be in my age group. Did I say he won Perry Bay in yep. 2004? This guy was a legend cyclist, but it's got all his results here. If you, it's, you don't win many races when you're a pro cyclist. No. Like he's got from, he started in 1996 through to 2008, so 12 years is probably about, I don't know, 20 wins here. Really? <laughs> 12 years? No, that's not, not all wins. They're all first and second. So, um, yeah, you don't win many races when you're a pro. But who, who, do, who does other than Lance? Well, you go your, your sprinters, and then you and then you basically a classic specialist. So, and then you opportunist, you know, get a, get away from time to time. So, and this guy was a real legend, was he? Oh, I wouldn't say he's a real legend, but he was pretty sharp, pretty good. You know, compare him to our top top cyclists New Zealand's got at the moment, Hayden Rolston. You know, he's class above that. Okay, so what about you go comparison to Ironman? Who would he be? 
Um, who would he be? Who would he be? Who would he be? Um, who's the German German dude? Um, Ferris. No. Oh, no, probably not quite in the same league as Ferris. The other one. Um, he's Settler. just very good. No. Um, Timo Bracht. Timo Bracht. Yeah, something like that. Okay. It's, it's a good comparison there, John. Yeah. You made it real for us. Now good. we understand. Good. Good. Okay, sponsor. Um, Athlinks.com. Yes. Now, um, one thing that you can do uh, if you've got just done a race, you know, I went on there to Athlinks to see uh, who'd done Challenge Monica out of the Athlinks crew, and uh, they didn't have the results up there yet. But what you can do if your results aren't up there, you can go on there and put your um, provisional result up there. So if anybody goes searching on Athlinks for your result, you can plug in your time, and then when they update all the results, which usually takes a couple of weeks, your results going to be there before they do that so people can see what you did. But I wanted to give a little bit of love to the people who did uh, SunSmart Ironman Western Australia. The first, first athletes finishes there on the girls' side of things was June Ward in 10.24. Nice work, June. And nice. unfortunately, the second female is not a female. So athletes, you need to update Gary Barnes, Gary Barnes to 10.38, but unfortunately he was classified as a female, which I don't think he is. Mm. Do you know any females called Gary? Maybe it's like Carrie. Carrie yeah. <laughs> no, um, we did and Helene Vignoni was second athletes finisher in 10, 11.40. And on the guys' side of things, we had, wait for it, I'm wait waiting, for it, I'm waiting. wait for it. Sure, I'm through this good website called yeah. irondistance.com and it's got different triathons in their ratings and stuff. Why don't you just save that for website of the week, Bevan? You've just you've just ruined some preparation for me now. That's why I just put it up the end. Well, don't, no, edit that out of your minds, people, because that's going to be a website of the week in a couple of weeks' time. Because because you made the point about which challenge Wanaka, and I thought, oh, Porno sent through an email, and it's just talking about how Wanaka five hundred and fifty for the early of a bird, Taupo nine hundred and fifty, Taupo nine fifty. Yeah, John. Yeah, you better be trying to get free injury. <laughs> Crikey day. When did that happen? In the last 10 years, obviously. When did you last do a tempo? 2007. Last five years. 9.50. Yeah, and that's the early bird. There you go. We were talking, saying the other day, so challenge, it's a good, good article we challenge and uh, tap. And I was sort of thinking they were similar. Relative. Not similar at all. That's well, did you, see, did you see what um, the Coast to Coast, did you see the article in the, the um, stuff this morning? No. So Richard Usher, who's one, who's kind of the legend of Coast to Coast of these times, has gone out and kind of said Coast to Coast is kind of a bit crap nowadays. And uh, he's kind of said, you know, it, you go around the world, you do all these other races and you're really classy and stuff and you go to Coast to Coast and it's like it's been run 20 years ago. Mm, I agree it, with you that. You know, entry free is 1000 bucks, and he's saying <clears> I mean, but it's on a much better race than the entry fee. You know, prize money's poor. Um, and, and the Coast to Coast isn't well selling out nowadays. You know, this year they've even had segments, which means that mm. the race is obviously kind of losing its appeal. And um, yeah, yeah, he pretty much has a dig at Jokins. So check it out. Yeah. That's a bit of New Zealand gospel for you guys. Yeah. Um, check out the website of the week in a few weeks, guys. A few weeks' time. On the guys' side of things, it's SunSmart Ironman Australia, Western Australia. Neil Menden was first. Age group 40, first athletics finisher, and Ben Moore was second athletics finisher. Only one minute back. Ben, pick up your game next time. One minute. Oh, but they both beat They both beat uh, Britta Martin, who was the first chick, so they didn't get checked. Nice John, work. what's the closest loss you've ever had? What do you mean? Like, as in someone someone beat you by 0.3 of a second. Okay, well, I've got a good story there. Cause <laughs> See, I just fed you to the backs. We've got a, a, a Legends of Triathlon podcast this month. It's John Hellmans. And, uh, Did he beat you? 
one time, one time in Bandcamp, um, one time we did the Nelson uh, Sprint International The one you did triathlon. a couple weeks ago? Yeah, different course, different venue. Uh, and how'd it turn out? Um, I can't you got second a couple weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But Have I'm, you ever won it? Yeah, yeah, I've won it lots of times. Oh, but uh, no this, in this particular occasion, I can't remember what happened on the bike, whether we came off the bike together or not, but I think we did. So wait a second, how much older is Hellman's to you? Oh, he's got... <laughs> He's, uh, well, he's six, I think he's turning 60 this year. Okay, and you're 36. 36 so he's got 24, 24 years. 24 years, yep. So, so, so hey. I, I think I would have been about 18, 19, and he would have been early 40s. So he's more in his peak of his career. You're more of a young whippersnapper. Yep. And uh, so we're running, running together. And uh, at this time, were you thinking, I need to just watch what he does because he's the wise dude? No. Or were you thinking just, attack? It was just setting a good, good strong tempo. We, were, we, we ran really fast. Actually, now I remember starting to come Here back we to go. We could come back. off the bike together, and we ran together, and we were running. Really fast. Sub, sub two minute Ks. Sub two minute Ks. And uh, just running side by side, but really smoking it. And then um, about 500 metres from the end, I just opened up a can of whoop ass on him. Yes. And, and, uh, and you're like, and you're hurting, old man. You're hurting. Dropped him like you wouldn't believe. And um, then I turned into the finishing sort of shoot and slowed down. And the dirty old dog came sprinting <laughs> up next to me. And uh, I wasn't really ready for it. And, uh, and we ended up crossing the line together. Um, and they gave us first equal. But I reckon I had him. I did the better dip. But what, you didn't lose. My okay. question was, was the biggest loss yet? Close that was loss. pretty close. I thought that I don't have any good close loss stories. Why did you slow down? Because I thought I had it. Did you, did you look behind? Well, I sort of did. I did and then, uh, but it turned in the finishing shoot. I didn't look behind myself three times in the finishing shoot. And he just came from nowhere. <sighs> Can't John. think about greatest losses. Like, I, I, like I, you're 18, because there was an amateur era. I forget about the losses. Oh, okay. I just focus on the positive things. Is, so, this, is that result on Nestlings? No, that would have been like that's the problem. Oh, that's cool. The mid nineties. Yeah, so, you don't get away with that. You can just yeah. put on Athlinks. You're I, done for good. I know. Do it, team. Athlinks.com. Check it out. Get on there. We'll change your life. It's interview time. Interview time, guys. We're going to do an interview, which we'll put on later in the show. But remember, Athlinks.com. We'll be back in two seconds. Mm, wait, and we are back, John. We are back. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we were back or not, but we are. We are. We just had a great interview. We had two great interviews, actually. We did with so, Jonathan. How's his last name? Uh, Dumas, isn't it? I think Jonathan Dumas. Dumas, okay. You don't hear the G. Uh, Dugas. 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 And Dr. Tenzin Lewis as well. But she's on next week. She's on next week, and uh, which is always good. But Jonathan Dugas. Gold. Listen to that later. There's going to be some discussions happening after this one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So listen up for that real soon. Okay. What do you want to do next, John? Uh, we're going on top topic of the week. The interview went for a while. It did. It was like a 50 minute interview. Yeah. And we're going so, hot topic. So we're losing things, aren't we? We'll be losing things. Okay, so hot topic of the week. Last week, John was saying he's going to be doing, <coughs> excuse me, he's going to be doing Project 2014 starting two days ago. Yep. And honestly, when he walked in today, I didn't recognise him. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's someone, someone you're on the show this week, maybe we had an interview, because this mean, lean athlete machine walked in the house. And, and uh, he goes, oh, my John. Like, oh. Yes. So the, the discussion was... Uh, what am I going to do at Ironman New Zealand uh, in terms of time-wise? And then going on to Kona, um, what sort of place do you think I can get in Kona? Okay, so some people were pretty optimistic and some people weren't so optimistic. So Gary Fegan, not very nice. He's in nine seventeen age group. Mm-hmm. And the Aussies will take the first two spots. Matthew Burns, Ironman New Zealand win in his age group, 9 hours, 10 minutes, Kona, 9.25, and fifth in age group. Okay, so Benjamin King's got fifth in age group for Kona, and a 9.32, 
I'm in New Zealand. Mm. Stephen Taylor saying he could go right at I'm in New Zealand. Can't say Rikona as he hasn't qualified yet. Oh, there you go. not hey, a done deal. There's always a 70.3 to do. Yeah. <laughs> Morrison's got um, better stop eating those wedges. And Sour Cream John, second in age group in I'm in New Zealand with 9.12. And then sixth in Kona. So, oh, so you wouldn't get on stage. Zanya's got issues with my eating. I just had a few flipping wedges on the camp and it's all over. Well, because you talk a big game. You talk the China study. You say you're yeah. you know, lemon shakes and stuff and then you wedges all the time. Dave Haywood, he's got a long one here. Cam Brown wins Ironman New Zealand one more time in 2013. Then in 2014, John's training goes way better than expected thanks to his wise choice of supplements with extreme endurance and a really good two-week camp at Tanyapura. He wakes up race morning, downs a cup of Chrissy's King... Queen Kahumana coffee from Coffees of Hawaii puts his blue 70 helix over his SLS tricat and becomes the first person to knock Brownie off in Ironman New Zealand in over a decade. Way to go, John. Unfortunately, with the element of surprise gone in Kona, Mackin organises a group of cyclists who attack and create a gap in the crosswinds near Harvey, and John can't quite run them down, though, and he picks up several in the energy lab and comes in second, charging down the, the four, last 400 metres in the Lee Drive in 58 seconds, trying to catch a staggering total totally spent Andy Potts who finally captures the Kona crown for the Americans hey it could happen anything's possible when you have the right sponsors nice well yes Craig Kirkwood now he's really gone out there John he said my yeah. prediction is 2014 I'm in New Zealand won't be in Taupo it will be in Auckland and it will be the regional championships and have a hundred spots so that's really that's, that's a, do, you, do you think he has anything the basis on or he's just pulling Craig you butt? follow that all the Aussies will show up and take the slots. John will be a roll down and go on to finish fifth in Kona. I can't see. I, I, I thought they'd already announced twenty. I know twenty fourteen is the thirtieth anniversary. Maybe they haven't announced it to be in Taupo, but um, well, it's just Iron Man because it wasn't Auckland in the past. Yeah, can't see it moving. Can we? I can't see it moving to Auckland. It's just like those. Yeah, it's just. I just can't see it happening. No, it's just it'd be t- put in the too hard basket. Mm. Peter, good old Peter Colson, top 10, being a tier 5 race in WTC's eyes. I doubt we'll see the true professionals there once Cameron Brown hangs up his shoes. Winning will fall to an ex-pro like John. Okay, well then you've got Dave McKay. He's got 8.51 in third in age group. We're some people that doubted me. What is Peter? Peter Mills, he better qualify for Kona. Bad for business otherwise. How about 9.35 at Ironman New Zealand and a little bit slower in Kona? No podium though. Oh, that's an, you know, would you qualify 9.35? Uh, we'll go on to that in a second. Oh, okay. Then, then we've got Martin Waite, he can be last, and he's got, uh, I think he'll break nine hours, but still come 10th. The times in the age group are crazy. You have to wait another decade to get through. Sonny Morrison, just just one more time, she's getting there. Wax that hairy chest, John, <laughs> and you'll go 9.10 at Ironman New Zealand and 9.29 in Kona. <laughs> so this, this got me thinking. Can I, can I give my predictions? Uh, yep, go for it. Because it's interesting. Everyone's giving you faith that they think you have two good races. Mm. I'm pretty consistent. I don't have many bad races. And Ironman have been consistent? Mm, yeah, pretty consistent. I mean, that was a shocker at Ironman New Zealand, but that was backing off Wanaka. And when I did Kona, had a few things didn't quite come to plan. But I'm pretty pretty confident I'll race a good race. I'm just not quite sure how fast I'll go. But. Okay, I reckon when you, were, when you were at your best, you did nine hours in New Zealand, didn't you? Yeah, but I reckon, yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't say I was at my best, but that was pretty solid. Yeah, that's pretty solid. I reckon it's going to be around nine hours. Mm. I'm going to say a range. Good okay. day, 8.58. Don't think it's possible. You go, Carry on. But probably more 9.10-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Then Kona. Yeah. Oh, could you go faster in Kona? 
Would you be more because I'm in New Zealand? You're gonna be fit, but you're gonna be mega fit for Kona, aren't you? Mm. That's the yeah, plan. The, the so I'm in New Zealand. I was really expecting to qualify. Yeah. So you're getting enough for the win. The cats just flying by, and then I would expect, relatively speaking, I would like to be about ten minutes quicker. Okay, between. so then I'll say nine hours for Kona. <laughs> <laughs> Would that get your podium spot? So Johnson's research, he's gone to yeah. that time. So just before I did my research, I thought, you know, for, for Taupo, I would have thought somewhere in the range of 9.10 to 9.20. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if I go slower than that. Um, be a little bit surprised if I go quicker than that. I think it's highly unlikely I'd go sub-9 in Taupo. But anything's possible, and I'm not, I'm not setting myself any time targets. I just want to go as race as fast as I can. Well, you've got to qualify. You've got to qualify. Um, so I had a bit of a look... Um, Firstly, well, firstly, I had a quick look at the Taupo side of things, and uh, winning my age group is going to be um, somewhat of a challenge, I think, um, because in t- 2012 didn't happen; there was a blowout. Uh, 2011, Dino Gaskins took it in 9:06. Andrew House, uh, Dino Gaskins, listener show. We met him in Kona. Um, we yeah, did a quick inter- interview yeah, with him. Good. Andrew House, another listener show, won in 2010 in 9:06. Craig Kirkwood won in, ni- in 09 and 9:09, and then. Uh, 2008, probably would have had a good chance there. Bevan McKinnon took it in 9.20. Nice. And then when Bevan and I did it, it was 9.39. So if we on our day, we would have won that one. So it was quite a big jump um, between... But John, does it go slower again now because we've got the uh, Melbourne race? Well, this is the winning time, so that's irrelevant. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like... So, so then I looked at qualifying. Um, 20, uh, two, 2011, it was a 9.21. Wow. Two, 2010, 9.43, uh, 209, 9.41, 208, 9.58, 9.53, and 2017, 12. I did a 9.31 with an explosion and a terrible bike ride. I did a 9.31. Um, so what that's sort of showing is, yes, it's getting quicker, but also from I think from that step from 2010 to 2011 to 2012, there was a reduction in slots as well. Yeah, so it's going to be yeah, harder. Okay, yeah. So, so how many how many qualified in 2011? How many slots were there? You can remember? Not quite sure. Okay. But the, the thing, thing with next year, with 2014, that plays in my favour is there's a bolster of slots. So I think they've gone up to 80 slots. So because of 30 be, years. Yeah, I think there'll be a good six slots. I'd say at least. Um, so I think. So you, at this stage, I'm pretty, conf- pretty confident. Unless you had an absolutely shocker. I'm pretty confident if I went under 925, which I'm be extremely disappointed if I didn't um, I think that'd be enough especially now that Melbourne's there as well and I think a lot of the Aussies we also saw in 2011 um, a lot of the Aussies come across which was another reason for the jump because they couldn't get into Ironman Australia it sold out in within seconds so I think a combination of the extra slots and also um, the fact there's Ironman Melbourne I think about I'm guessing about a 9.25 but I don't want to leave it to to, to, chance chance. when it comes to Kona um, this is a really sexist, um, well, some people will view it as a sexist thing to say, but I, I reckon um, I would like to think I can beat the first elite pro female. Why is it sexist? Well, I don't know. Some people will say it as it's not I, sexist. I, that I just don't want to get checked. It's not so much that I want, don't want to get checked. I just find that as a, I don't. You but, think men are superior, don't you? But, <laughs> but I think that's a good yard. I think that's a really easy yardstick for me to, to make. Now that Chrissy's out of the equation, if she'd been there, I wouldn't expect to beat her. Um, but I think with the other girls... If I'm what, what where I want to be. Year? What time did they do this year in Kona? This year they went 9.15 on what was a fairly slow year. Um, so you, you'd have to have a good day, but wouldn't you? It wouldn't be a given. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'd have to have a very good day. Do you know what one thing, that one, as a group fitness instructor, you're always trying to discover ways to motivate people, you know, mm. and, you know, you kind of build this kind of big repertoire of tools that you can use to motivate people. Mm. And one of the best things you can do to motivate women is just tell them how much better men are. And <laughs> so sometimes in a class I just go, girls, 
you know men are better. So we just want you to try harder. And like, like I'm taking the piss, but yeah. you, then then you kind of get them to do their workout, and you've never seen a group of like people like females just go absolutely nice. absolutely destroy oh, themselves. Wow. Yeah, that can be my motivator when you're out there. The chicks get it. The chicks are funny. They're coming, John. They're coming. Um, so so when I looked at my age group, 35 to 39 um, for this year, the winner there who's um, won it two years in a row went 906 versus Leander Caves 915. So he was quite a long way in front. Yep. Um, and then if I'd beaten the f- Leander cave would have only uh, finished fifth in the third. So you would have got podium if you beat the top yeah. check. So that's sort of the yardstick. Then when I look um, the next year, it's, it's sort of similar. Same guy, Sam Guide from Belgium was five minutes in front of Chrissy, but we know that Chrissy had a, uh, you know, that was the year when she yep. was battling all sorts of things. But again, that's 8.50 for the win there. That was a, that was a fast year. That's pretty quick. Yeah, well, that was a super fast year because we were there that year, and everyone mm. came across the line going, "I had the most amazing day." Mm. <laughs> Whereas eight, fifth, he won by eight minutes. So this guy Sam Guy, it's a bit of a bloody legend. But fifth place, maybe nine, we should interview him next year. Yeah. going into the race, your competition. Nine oh six was in fifth there, and then the year before that we had uh, nine oh four in first, and the first female was Marinda Carfrey in eight fifty eight. So that's sort of the benchmark I need to be at. Is I need to be beating. The beating all the girls yep. and if I can do that I think it's likely I'll get on the podium and Kona yeah I think if I have a fantastic day I think I can get in the top five but I'd have to have a very good day but I'm going to be well acclimatised I'm going to go over about two and a half weeks before um, we'll have the camp there we'll have been in Canada so I think hopefully acclimatisation won't be such a big deal Are you taking the family? Uh, Belinda pretty much insists that she comes to watch Ironmans now because she gets worried about my health what do you mean? <laughs> well, the, 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 the first time when we got together and I went and did South Africa, it wasn't a particularly pretty place afterwards, and she's been to everyone since there because she does get a bit worried about my oh, well-being. Nice she cares. And when we were in Kona last time, you know, there were some issues <laughs> around my well-being after the race. <laughs> so she insists on being there. So she'll be there. But Such a healthy we sport. We won't be taking the kids. John, you're doing the Project 20... What is it? John, CoachJohnProject2014.com CoachJohnProject2014.com was officially officially unveiled yesterday. And and he's, got, he's got photos of you and I in talk suit, mate. Looking sharp. And it was in, uh, recently in Nelson with Blinda with her new new camera, taking a few snaps. She's doing a good job. So if you, uh, I don't really know how, how RSS feeds um, work, but somebody said I need to put it up there. Magnus emailed me this morning um, saying, put an RSS feed up there. So I think I've done that, so you can yep. do that. But the main thing is you go on to coachjohnproject2014.com and no RSS reader is installed oh I better figure that out then yep, that'll, that'll be you. done yep. um, so you go to John's training and there's the button there and under that is daily John uh, daily training log and that's basically where you'll find all the content of what I'm doing there's a link through to, to training peaks and it shows you a graph of, uh, of every workout that I do um, and yeah, already people have had some good comments, especially you know at the weekend I did two time trials. I did a 16k um, flat time trial and a very difficult hill time trial as well, just to get some some baseline power numbers. And when you click on the link and it takes you off to Training Peaks, you can isolate particular parts of the ride. You can go through and highlight particular areas, or if you scroll down on the on the right hand side, it brings up all the the laps. And so if I put, click on my, you know, I've labelled them like 16k TT, it will highlight that particular section and you can go through and look at all my Come on, mate, talk power about numbers. How'd, how'd, that, how'd that go? So uh, I, I have acquired a new SIPO bike um, with uh, a power to max power meter and uh, from the guys at Bike Cycle which is a new bike shop in Christchurch 
And this was, I went out and did a time trial on Saturday. It was literally the first ride I had done on the bike. It hadn't had the bike set up done or anything. I picked it up. I'd done 3Ks before the, that ride. Went out and, and went onto this dog of a road in Christchurch where we do time trials. And, uh, and I was pleasantly surprised. It was probably, I think it was probably one of the, if not the fastest time trial I've ever done on that road. And this is when I'm not in a fit place at the moment. The bike was a rocket. It was uh, it was very I was very very happy. So I averaged over forty k an hour, which for you guys in Europe and North America on nice smooth roads, you know that's still fast. But on these conditions on that road, that was a um, it's a pretty handy effort. Mm-mm, so I was wicked. I was quite happy with that. <laughs> so maybe I'm not quite as uh, washed up as I thought I was. But uh, if I can do that now and uh, and with all the extra fitness I'm going to get, um, feeling pretty good about it. The new bike. Nice. So, yeah, I'll be basically updating things every day on Training Peaks. Uh, I'm going off to get a bike fit today. I'm going to do a bit of an audio interview. I need to get the voice recorder, Bevan, before we go, if you have it. Yes. Um, might write that on your piece of paper because that's really important okay. that I have that. Don't forget and, it. And uh, so I'll be basically updating that daily. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I'll give you updates from time to time on the podcast. Check, check, check it out. So to go with this link, to it, I'll put a link to it on www.imtalk.me. You can check out John's website. I also see you've got a new coaching website. No, I haven't. Oh, you can the logo that I'd never seen before. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's uh, good old Ed. Ed. Ed sorted that out for me. Good times. For a little while. Good times. Yeah. Okay. It's a uh, sponsor. Let's go down to... Uh, what about this week's discussion? Oh, I haven't got one. Okay, John. Here's one. Yeah. You could be transformed mm. into anybody's body or mind or whatever. Is this triathlon road? Uh, John, let me go with it. Sorry? Let me go with it. You've had your 2014, okay? Yep, you've yep, okay. talked about you for 10 minutes. Give, yep. me, give me 30 seconds. Okay. So, so you, you can go into anybody's, kind of like, remember, remember that program, Quantum Leap? Yeah. So did you like Quantum Leap? Uh, I, I remember. It was quite a while ago, but yeah, I remember it. I loved Quantum Leap. Mm. Mm. And it had uh, Dean Stockwell on it. Mm-hmm. Quantum Leap, and you go into people's bodies for a while, and, and he'd kind of, solve their problems basically and then he'd yep. go out and, but you get to do the quantum leap into any sporting moment in history mm-hmm. what would you choose so you could go in and you could be win the Olympic marathon mm-hmm. and or you could quantum leap into what would you choose well that's a discussion we'll discuss it next I know, week but we you could do this every on, week go on, just give us one no give us give us your second one then um, winning the Nelson International Triathlon oh come on John you already had that experience I have <laughs> We're like Ali versus Fraser. Yeah, that's it. Ali versus Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound pretty passionate about this yeah. discussion. Yeah. So, and you can choose any sporting event ever, but you don't get to relive it. You just get to have the experience of being that person. Okay. Okay. You get to quantum leap into that. I think that's a good one. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is. There we go. We do this discussion in a couple of years' time. People go, I wanted a quantum leap into John's body when he crossed that line and won the 35 to 39 age yes. group. No, when he won Kona. Won Kona. Yeah, you're going to have such a good year. Sponsor. Sometimes. Extreme Endurance. We, we launched it last week. Wait a second, I thought we were Coffees of Hawaii. Oh, uh, are we? Okay. Well, you can talk Extreme Endurance. Okay, do Extreme Endurance now. Yeah. The show's going to be all over the place. Our interview was really good and a bit longer than, yeah. um, than planned, so... Uh, New promo code is out, and I'm sure people are going to be loving that. So if you didn't hear last week, the new promo code is IMTALK5, and you get $5 off any product in our packaged item, uh, basically off any product except for packaged items like the Nod Special. So IMTALK5. Please don't email us. Don't Facebook message to us. 
just use a code or go to <laughs> or go to um, go to iamtalk.me. We can't be well bother with you. <laughs> it's 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 on the website. Uh, so iamtalk5. Um, also, they want to let you know that they now have for American listeners only the new Execute Out vanilla flavour. I have not tried it yet, but I bloody well love the chocolate stuff, uh, and so I'm looking forward to trying a bit of the vanilla bad boy stuff and it tastes good it's a unique that it has 1500 milligrams of lactate and 20 grams of proprietary sports protein blend that kick start your training well i think the thing to remember about codes guys is if you do ever wonder what our codes are just go to www.imtalk.me and one of the drop down menus has all our codes for all our sponsors and if they're not there then email us yep. but don't have facebook. you updated it yep don't facebook message yep. us yep yeah don't email us on facebook guys because we don't really look and then occasionally you see one, you feel really bad because it's like from six months ago. Yeah. So if you do even need to email us, just email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And I've got to say, Extreme Endurance are on board with my Project 2014, so they're going to have a pretty major presence on there. And uh, during the year, I'm going to unveil a uh, tri-suit. going to have uh, some opportunities there. People are going to be able to get their name on my tri-suit. They're going to have a little donation button there, and they're going to get your name in very small print. Haven't got that sorted yet, but at some stage I will. And so... And you can literally yeah, say, I'm riding on John's back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Is it going to be on your back? Uh, be careful where you put their names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not on your butt. No, no. So check it out. Extreme Endurance. Use the code IAMTALK5. Five, five bucks off. It's a no-brainer. John, are we, are we aborting Age Group of the Week for this week? Uh, yes. Okay, Look, well, I've just got to give it a quick bit, a little bit of love because the race was on at the weekend. So, um, we'll Tim, just give the race some love and then do Tim, the Age Tim group Richards, um, we are coming to you. And uh, the Hell of the West was on at the weekend. And... Uh, Amazing race. Amazing race. Forever. It's half Ironman, or just around, years. around about half Ironman race in Australia. So we'll be coming back to you guys next week. They'll be the age group next week. Okay, um, let's do the interview. Nice. So John, quick, quick. Jonathan Dugas is on now from the Sports Scientist blog. Awesome interview. You guys check it out. Um, check their website, sportsscientist.com. Um, be, be ready to get excited. Righty-ho, on today's show we have Jonathan Dugas, PhD. Well, I think a lot of you guys probably have heard of this, the blog that he's associated with, the Sports Science blog, which is, is a great blog. So, sportscientist.com, and uh, does that with Ross Tucker, and uh, very much focusing on uh, endurance sports, you know, cycling, athletics, and, uh, and a little bit of triathlon thrown in, in as well. And um, what prompted me to... to get onto these guys to, to have um, Jonathan on was, was an article on dehydration and uh, some of the issues and perhaps myths associated around that and I think it's an area we probably haven't had a good interview on so um, welcome along to the show Jonathan. Thanks very much guys it's a pleasure to be here and, and thanks for this opportunity. So you, um, when I was doing my research on you um, I read you, you did your study at um, University of Cape Town um, so tell us a bit about your background and uh, how you sort of became involved in particularly sort of endurance sports um, and, and your area of speciality sort of being uh, hydration. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually went to UCT uh, way back in 1999, <clears throat> uh, initially for my honours degree. And um, kind of, I, I did study under Professor Tim Noakes and uh, specifically with the emphasis on fluid balance, dehydration, temperature regulation, and, and probably a big part of that fluid balance section being um, hyponatremia and just trying to understand 
uh, a little bit better about who is presenting with hyponatremia and, and what are the mechanisms that actually cause uh, hyponatremia. And uh, that was a that was a great ride, and and um, learned a tremendous amount. And um, you know, my thesis really focused on that component of of performance, temperature regulation, fluid, and um, it's it's great. And, and of course, the the science of sports site kind of really kind of came out of a lot of that work that Ross and I did together. So, I mean, in um, Noakes' book, Challenging Beliefs, which is a pretty uh, interesting uh, read, you know, he's got a really big section there on, I, th- I think the section was called Waterlogged, and uh, he was certainly putting the boot into um, a number of pe- a number of organisations with regards to what was recommended um, back in sort of more of the 80s and um, sort of that area. So, so tell us a bit about that, um, you know, that part of his book and, and and that that era when you were told to to you know to to drink basically as much as you possibly could. Yeah, the um, <clears throat> I think the really interesting thing about um, all of these different things we've got going on, we've got, for example, you've got the scientists, you've got the industry, you've got athletes, you've got coaches, um, and they're all kind of interlinked in a way. And there is a bit of a of a progression there, a, a sequence where information is disseminated down to the individual athlete. And sometimes it comes from science, sometimes it comes from industry, sometimes it comes from coaches who get it from different sources and so on. But the real thing there is that um, you know the the messages can get a bit garbled along the way. And more importantly, you know what might be kind of correct or accurate uh, now should most likely change over time as we better understand particular areas and things like that. So I, I want people to kind of understand that although we look back at you know the sort of typical drinking advice from the 1990s and say, well, geez, that's kind of laughable that we were telling people to drink kind of as much as they could possibly tolerate. Um, I think in, in some ways that's fine. I think if you go back and you look at what the scientific evidence was showing right there, the interpretation might not have been 100% accurate, but that was the kind of prevailing scientific understanding at that time. And as such, that drove the evidence-based guidelines for people. Uh, and, and what I want people to understand is that those things should change over time. So it's not that it was all wrong and all of a sudden we're all right or anything like that. Um, it's more of an evolution of, of what we understand about these concepts. Um, so so uh, it, it, if the kind of fluid guideline landscape is is a bit different than it was, uh, say, even 10, 15 years ago. And um, these things kind of move slowly. I think if you kind of ask the people that are on one extreme of it, um, you know, the scientists, the sports scientists who are very, very close and say, no, you must only drink to thirst and things like that, it's probably moving a bit too slowly for them. But uh, it does take time for these things to kind of swing around. And uh, hopefully we don't swing too much in the other direction. Uh, oftentimes, I think in all kinds of walks of life, that tends to happen. But uh, it, it is kind of moving slowly, and, and I, I think there's been a lot of progress in terms of what is the best advice to to athletes uh, in the past ten or fifteen years or so. So you know, your your research, from what I could gather, <clears throat> sort of focused a, or in terms of study, focused a bit more on some of the, you know, the ultra running races and um, in South Africa, you know, the comrades and. Um, the one other one that sort of goes from sea to sea. So tell us a bit about the specific research you did and some of the events where you, you gathered some data. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're very kind of ultra-endurance focused um, in South Africa, um, probably much, much more so than <clears throat> most other active countries. So those races like Comrades and Two Oceans, and there's another one that we did some research at called the Argus Cycle Tour, which 
isn't really that crazy. It's I think about a hundred kilometers or so, but um, they're kind of very readily available to us, and uh, a lot of people do them. So they really represented um, a really nice avenue or, or venue where we could conduct research in a field setting, which is, of course, the kind of you know we feel like that's kind of really what's happening on the ground. You know, if we can get get people doing these events, that's sort of closest to real life that we can get. Not as controlled as a lab setting, uh, which has its own merits, but you know the field study we felt like is a real good way to see what is actually happening out there with these these different athletes. So um, the, historically, our department there at UCT has uh, has always engaged in research at uh, at these different events, and that that dates back probably uh, to about 1980 or so, even way before my time there. So. Um I'm interested to to know whether you've done any specific stuff around triathlon and, and slightly more extreme conditions because I don't know what temperature it is in for those running races. But you know, when we look at triathlons, they're typically done in in summer and often in the height of summer. If we take you know Hawaii and some of the really extreme places where we we race them. How much of a difference are we seeing in that versus what we might see at, say, Comrades or, or, or you know, a lot of the marathons? I know you guys focus a lot on marathons as well, where often they're done in, in slightly more moderate conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, com- Comrades, it can just be hit or miss by year. Sometimes it can be relatively cool, although it is run in, in early winter um, in the eastern part of the country. Um, it, that part of the country is normally kind of temperate and, and not actually too cold ever. Uh, but it, it can be a bit warmer. It can be in the 20C um, at the finishing line. And a lot of those runners are, are out there for, uh, you know, we're talking at least kind of uh, 9, 10 hours. I think the cutoff time currently is about 12 hours for, for comrades. So um, they're, they're out there for a long time, uh, sometimes depending on year, in relatively warm conditions. Uh, of course, um, since about 2000, there has been, uh, with maybe a hiatus, an Ironman event in South Africa, uh, initially in Cape Town and now it's in Port Elizabeth. And um, the two or three years in Cape Town, the conditions were relatively moderate. They weren't too uh, too hot. I think in, in Port Elizabeth, the conditions are, are also can, can be a bit warmer, but I think they've been lucky in terms of, at least when I was there, before I left in 2007, uh, they didn't ever really um, have any years that were particularly uh, warm. But but the t- the temperature is um, I, I think if we, we can kind of get into probably I'm sure later is is not the kind of it it can have an effect and I think it's an important factor but um, it's likely overstated in in some regards. I wonder, I wonder if you had the the honour at Ironman South Africa in 2001 <laughs> of being one of the people that shoved a thermometer up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, what, what, what an no. honor! <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't. Uh, I, I didn't have that honor. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> oh, no. Or not, maybe. But yeah. <laughs> um, so, so tell us a bit about what what you sort of found, because obviously you're coming from this era in the '90s where it was drink, 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 and um, and what sort of things were you finding from your research um, as in terms of uh, what you're finding and what your sort of recommendations um, ended up being um, once you'd, you'd sort of completed your research as far as how much people should be drinking and what are the indicators they should be looking for? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, right around that time, uh, the sort of late 90s, around 2000, um, the sort of a lot of the first work that Tim had done around Ironman and things like that was with uh, one, of your co- one of your countrymen, uh, Dr. Dale Speedy, mm. uh, at, at Ironman New Zealand. 
And uh, just looking at you know people who had presented with hyponatremia, uh, maybe trying to understand why they had presented that way. Also looking at some kind of pre and post data, uh, and looking at sodium concentrations and things like that in the blood, and trying to figure out what the relationships are. And we went on to repeat a lot of those same measurements uh, in Ironman in South Africa, and uh, kind of really developed uh, a good. Quite a big body of, of evidence, so a lot of data points, particularly. And we published actually, um, shucks, I can't remember what year uh, it actually went, was in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences here in the US. And it had about 2,100 different finishers uh, from Ironman events, from um, some long cycling, from comrades, from two oceans, things like that. And uh, really looking at the post race sodium concentration and all of those finishers and looking at the relationship between things like how long they were out there and what their concentration was and how much weight they lost and things like that and what it kind of told us was um, the general kind of picture was uh, that there's a kind of relationship that if you lose more weight during the event your sodium concentration at the end of the race tends to be higher so in other words, if you don't lose a lot of weight or really if you gain weight, which some individuals actually did, they tend to have lower sodium concentrations. And to help you guys understand that, the lower the sodium concentration, the worse. So you, you want to sort of have no change or really a normal physiological response would be for sodium concentration to perhaps rise just a little bit uh, over the duration of exercise. So we had this kind of plot of all these athletes and finishing and sodium changes and weight and things like that. And we saw this relationship. And that's very well defined. Lots of other sort of authors and, and studies have, have shown the same thing, that when people lose weight, so they, they tend to maintain or increase their sodium concentration. Uh, when they gain weight or don't lose any weight, they tend to be worse off uh, and perhaps are getting in that range of what we would call uh, asymptomatic or biochemical hyponatremia, or sometimes even in the symptomatic range, which you know, actually means they've they're expressing some kind of signs of encephalopathy and uh, presenting with symptoms in the medical tent. Mm. So, so in general, it's <clears throat> fine to be dehydrating yourself, um, and and there seems to be a relationship between the levels of dehydration and performance, or not? Was that something you looked at? So, the, there is a we we think there is a relationship there. Um, in fact, one of the studies I did for for my PhD work um, involved. Uh, asking guys to do 80-kilometer uh, time trials uh, in an environmental chamber, c- cycling time trials. 80 and, kilometers uh, in a uh, in a lab, <laughs> is it? Yeah, st- staring at a couple of staring at four big fans and a grate in front of you as it just kind nice. of blew the window of you. Um, uh, mind you, with a rectal probe, of course. <laughs> and uh, what we did was we tried to um, first thing we we wanted to do is provide the right amount of uh, convection from the wind speeds, um, which a lot of the previous studies in the 90s hadn't really done properly. They just sort of had a tiny little fan blowing on the guys or, or no wind at all, which really changes the kind of temperature regulation perspective. Mm. So we put them in the environmental chamber. We were able to control for the wind speed, um, s- set the temperature at 33C for all the trials. And we just asked them to do um, these 80-kilometer time trials. And they, did different, they drank different amounts of fluid uh, for each trial. And it kind of equated to uh, 0% of what their losses were, 33%, 66%, uh, or 100% of what their losses were. And that allowed us to kind of understand a little bit more about, okay, you know, 
if we kind of grade the fluid replacement in this way and replace varying amounts according to what they would normally lose, then, um, then what, is that, what does that affect? Does it affect their temperature? Does it affect their performance? What is actually kind of happening here? And what we saw was actually uh, performance didn't really change that much. Um, probably the more remarkable finding or, or not was that their temperature was exactly the same between all the different trials. And what we saw was that when guys actually were replacing sort of higher volumes, so when they were replacing volumes that were sort of um, two thirst or more than that, compared to if they were replacing volumes that were less than that, so they were basically restricting them themselves, um, we saw that the temperature was the same there was a minor performance effect that they went a little bit slower uh, in the kind of ones where they were where they were restricted, and I believe that effect was about two uh, percent slower. So a couple of interesting things there. The, the one was that again that you know, independent of how much they were drinking, their temperature was the same at the end of every trial. There was really no difference. If I put them all on top of on a graph and said, please tell me which one was the zero trial, tell me which one was a hundred percent trial. I would challenge you to pick out which one was which. They, they were really all on top of each other. The second thing was that there was a difference in performance, but it was, I think, very understated, I think, compared to what we thought it would have been. I think going into that study, our paradigm was, you know, if you don't drink fluid, then your performance will suffer. You're not going to get heat stroke. You're not going to get too hot because even by then we understood that, you know, the, the brain has a way of kind of protecting you against those events. Um, and we thought, though, there would be a much bigger effect on performance. Uh, it turns out, at least in the data that we collected, that that effect on performance was actually relatively small. And to be sure, at the top end of the, of the spectrum, um, you know, 2% two, 2 is, is the difference between first and 10th sometimes. Uh, and that could, even, that could put you in the prize money or out of the prize money. So, so in some regards, that's important. Um, and, and even on a recreational level, someone trying to kind of achieve their best, that, that, that's that could be said to be meaningful for them. Um, but again, I mean, I think you, you might even still see some values thrown around in, in the lay magazines and things around, you know, if you don't drink enough, then you could suffer, your performance could suffer by like 20% or something like that. Mm. And I think that's grossly overstated. I think it's, it's a much, much narrower margin uh, than what a lot of people might think it to be. So what, what does that mean really for real terms in terms of, I don't know, say a, a, a southern Ath hemisphere athlete, say a Kiwi or a South African, who so does Ironman New Zealand, which is typically you know nice moderate conditions, maybe mid-20s centigrade, and then we go to, say, Hawaii, which is obviously much more extreme. What's, what are we, we going to see in terms of our, our body temperature in terms of when you're going to those different environments, and, and how do we need to adapt to that? Well, the, the first thing is to understand, of course, there is a difference in those two environments. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, for, for decades, the, mil the military did a lot of work many, many decades ago trying to better understand, you know, how individuals, really soldiers, adapt to the heat. Uh, so there's a really, really well-defined body of literature out there that describes the physiological adaptations that humans make when exposed to heat stress. So um, the best case scenario would be um, if an athlete is going to compete in, for example, Hawaii or conditions where they know it's going to be probably you know, upper 20s or hotter uh, with some amount of humidity, 
to try to acclimatize to those conditions. That could be done if you have access to an environmental chamber, um, which last time I checked, there weren't any that were being sold on eBay or anything like that. <laughs> so, so unless you have access to, um, to a facility that might have one of those, then um, it, it could mean trying to travel earlier to your destination to, uh, to adapt. So, so there, there are some challenges to doing that, but that, that's really probably the, the best thing one can do to prepare for those conditions because when you make those adaptations, which the majority of those adaptations are, are finished in about seven to ten days, um, you know, th those can make a profound difference on your thermoregulatory response in those hotter conditions. So, um, what, what, you know, you, we talked at the start, you know, in the 90s, you know, it was just drink as much as you can, and you say now there's some people saying drink, um, drink, to, drink to thirst. So what are, what are your sort of current recommendations for, for Ironman athletes, um, and does that change significantly depending on what sort of race they're in? So if we're saying drink to, to thirst, does that mean the same in Ironman New Zealand as it does to, to Hawaii? So, so do you have any sort of ballpark figures people can start to use? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think the, the the most important message about fluid consumption during exercise of, of any duration, uh, probably even more so importantly for longer duration, uh, is to drink to thirst. And the key there is that um, drinking to thirst is always going to ensure that you get it right. Because in cooler conditions, you will require less fluid. Uh, because you're going to be probably sweating a little bit less because of the, the general nature of the environment to, to help with your temperature regulation. So you sort of have more favorable conditions for you to lose heat, which means that you will be required to sweat a little bit less to get enough evaporative cooling to, to cool off your body. So it will be normal to be less thirsty and to consume less than you might normally do if the conditions are, are moderate or cooler. Likewise, um, uh, in the hotter conditions, you will be sweating more because the conditions, the environmental conditions are a little bit less favorable for you to lose heat. So your body's going to have to be producing more sweat to try to, to lose heat, uh, which would mean that you would be replacing more of that, more of that volume. Or sorry, you would be drinking more per hour because you're sweating a little bit more per hour. As it turns out, if we look at how much people replace more or less independent of the environmental conditions, they tend to replace about the same amount. The absolute volume that they're drinking is of course more because if you're sweating one and a half liters in very warm conditions and you're replacing say 50% of that, that's about 750 mils an hour. If you're sweating only a liter per hour in cooler conditions, then of course you're only drinking about 500 mils an hour. So we would expect the total amount that you're drinking to be different. Um, but again, drinking to thirst is gonna ensure that you're getting what's required independent of what the environmental conditions are. How, how cognitive do people need to be of this? Because sometimes, you know, if you see an inexperienced athlete and they, they come off the bike and they haven't drunk anything, oh, I just forgot to drink. Do you, is it something you've really got to be focused on and as soon as you get that trigger or there's a little bit of thirst there, I've got to drink? Or In your experience, how, how do, do people get this pretty quickly in terms of drinking to thirst? I think at the at the higher level, you probably have at least two different scenarios. I think you'll you'll you could have um, one scenario where the athlete might suffer from a bit of analysis paralysis and kind of really try to drill into every single detail of their performance and kind of try to account for every possible thing and work out that okay, I need to drink 
X amount every hour, every 20 minutes or something because otherwise I'm going to forget and I'm, I'm controlling for it in this way and, and so on. And um, that, that could be a recipe for disaster. It, it might work fine if they understand that what their fluid requirements are. The other situation is, is more of saying, listen, um, I, I understand that I need to drink something um, and I, I'll listen to my body and I'll, I'll, I'll drink what I need and I'm not going to focus too intensely on that one particular uh, variable, meaning fluid replacement. What about, um, is there any simple things people can do in terms of, you know, do a training session, weigh themselves before and after? Is that sort of stuff still valid? I mean, it, it's valid in that it will give one an idea of what your sweat rate is. I think the question then is, how valuable is it to know your sweat rate? Um, you know, it, it, it can be problematic in that it, it can send people the wrong message and down the path of saying, well, if I know my sweat rate, I must always drink that mm-hmm. amount. Uh, 50% of that or, or whatever. Um, and, and I think that's, again, you're, you're trying to outsmart the physiology. Um, and, and I think you should rather let the physiology sort itself out in that, you know, understanding my sweat rates, my fluid needs will be different according to environment. Um, if I drink to thirst, I'm going to get that right. If I try to schedule it, um, it might be my, right, it might be wrong. Um, you know, as long as someone's not trying to ingest 100% of their fluid losses, they're unlikely to present with hyponatremia, which is the real problem cases. Um, but I, I think from a practical perspective, it's, it's one less thing that an athlete should be worrying about. Um, you know, I, I think there are so many other things. <laughs> performance, as you guys will know, is such a dynamic thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are so many moving pieces there. And if you, can, if you can just take one of the two of those things out and say, I don't need to worry about that then um, I think it just creates a little bit more mental energy. It just creates a little bit more capacity for the athlete to focus on actually getting on with performing and not having to get bogged down by, oh, crap, you know what? Did I drink enough? I forgot to drink. Oh, no, that's my race finished. And I think as you guys also understand, you know, we humans and athletes in particular probably have an uncanny ability of living up to expectations they set for themselves. And if the expectation is, well, I didn't drink enough, there's my race, then it's likely that could go that way. And you might not actually perform your best because you sort of set that bar for yourself at that point in time. Jonathan, um, if you're, uh, let's say we are using thirst as our gauge, do you find a lot of people don't have the trust in, you know, that because we've been brought up on different information that, you know, a lot of it's about trusting a new way of doing things, that when they use thirst as a gauge, then when they do drink, they tend to overdrink? Our experience hasn't been that people overdrink. Um, I think if, if people are are following their thirst, I mean the the one thing is we you do see a lot of inter inter individual variation. So um, you know some people to thirst might mean they're only drinking fifteen percent of what they lose. For some people, it might be seventy five percent of what they what they lose. And and even between days and weeks, it could change between an individual. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think the first thing is understanding it's not always going to be the same amount every time. Um, so you, one shouldn't be concerned if it's kind of like, well, I'm drinking to thirst, but today I, I went through two bottles and last week only went through one bottle. You know, am I, am I getting this wrong kind of thing? So um, I, I think that first thing is just saying it's, it's an important thing. You need to have access to fluids. But, um, you know, how much one drinks as long as you're drinking to thirst, and, and again, some people might say like, well, 
I, I think I'm drinking a thirst, but maybe I'm maybe I'm too less, maybe I'm too little or too much on that side. Um, you know, as long as they're not replacing 100%, they're going to be really reduce their chance of getting into trouble from drinking too much. And um, I, I, I'd have a hard time seeing how people would get it wrong on the other side. Mm. Uh, I think we all know if we've been out there exercising, you, you know when you're thirsty. Um, you know, and at some points it gets to that that area of you just, you know, particularly most of the time when you run out of fluid in your water bottle and you're waiting for a next aid station or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you know, you're just dying. You're just, you're looking for, you know, that cup that's been left on the side of the road with water in it or something because you just, <laughs> anything wet <laughs> will do, you know. So I, I think on the other side, on the, on that extreme, people know when they're thirsty and, and they're very unlikely to drink too little um, to have any, any material effect on their performance. So that sort of covers, you know, quantities and so things. And I think we're about to open a big can of worms here in terms of uh, what they should be drinking. You know, there's so much marketing out there around electrolytes and salt tablets and this, that, and the other thing. Um, can you give us a bit of a, an overview on do our electrolytes as important as they've always claimed to be? Um, it's sodium, yeah. you know, do you need to be taking salt tablets or is that just a placebo? Can you actually absorb it? What's sort of going on there? Also, also like with, if we're not drinking as much <clears throat> and electrolyte is important, how do you advise using it if you're not going to be drinking as much fluid? Yeah, I mean, maybe the best way to try to unlock this is just to try to lay out what uh, the normal physiology is um, with, uh, with fluid balance. So the, the way it kind of works is, you know, you, you've got a certain concentration of electrolytes, mostly sodium, that sits outside of your cells. And although inside of the cells it's, it's different, it's not sodium, um, the kind of total amount of things in both of those fluids is about the same. So what that means is that some fluid passes in and out of the cells, but there's kind of a net balance. You know, you don't have a shift as we say in physiological terms, to the inside or outside of the cells, one way or the other. And that's what the body likes. That means you're kind of, you're, you're kind of balancing everything out. Now, you, you can have situations where you do get a shift. Uh, and that would be, for example, um, if the concentration of the electrolytes outside of the cells rises, then what you're going to see is that the fluid from inside the cells leaves the cells to try to dilute that extracellular fluid and try to, again, try to balance it out. So the sort of, you know, I'm not sure what, what age everyone learned about osmosis, but, uh, but mm. uh, this is what we're talking about. You know, when you have a sort of two fluid volumes on, on either side of a membrane, it's going to try to balance out and equilibrate. Uh, and the fluid, it's going to go from a high concentration to a low concentration. If the electrolytes are rising outside the cells, that means you actually got less fluid out there, which means you have more fluid inside. The fluid is going to leave the cells, try to balance out and equilibrate those two concentrations. So you can shift outside the cells in that way. The opposite is also true. Uh, if, for example, we lower that electrolyte concentration outside of the cells, then that means that the concentration now is different. You have more fluid out, less fluid in. Osmosis will then move that fluid into the cells. And that's actually then, we're talking about hyponatremia, when you get a fluid shift to the inside of the cells. Mm. Now, when you're exercising, you do have some avenues of fluid loss, namely your sweat. A little bit maybe by respiratory mechanisms, uh, but mostly via sweat is going to be the big one. So we do lose fluid via sweat. As we all know, that sweat does have some 
electrolytes in it, a little bit of sodium. Uh, how much sodium will depend on how acclimatized the individual is. We know that as you become more acclimatized to heat, that concentration falls to relatively low amounts. But nevertheless, uh, it is less than what is in your extracellular fluid. So it's dilute compared to the fluid in your body. Now what that means is that when you sweat, the concentration of the electrolytes inside your body will rise. Because uh, to use a technical term, the sweat is hypotonic to uh, your plasma and your extracellular fluid. So when you take the fluid away, it's taking out mostly fluid, a little bit of electrolytes, but mostly fluid, which leaves less fluid behind. The concentration rises. Now, a couple ways you can balance that out. The one would be to shift fluid from inside the cells. The other would be to ingest fluid and absorb it through your gut. So, and that's, of course, the thirst mechanism. So once the body understands that there is some fluid loss here and I need to balance that concentration, it will stimulate you to ingest fluid. Now, water in that case would be the best thing to do that because it's the most dilute solution. So you'll require less water to balance out that concentration compared to something else that has sodium or electrolytes in it. Now, the other side issue here is, of course, during especially prolonged exercise, we need to make sure we're getting some carbohydrate ingestion too. So, of course, the sports drinks and things are valuable in that regard. Um, but really, if we're just talking about balancing that fluid, then water is actually the best thing because, again, you're going to need a, a lower volume of water to balance out and dilute your extracellular fluid back to what it should be so that it balances with the intracellular fluid. So we fully expect you to lose the fluid in exercise. We fully expect that um, your sodium concentration in your blood will rise a little bit because of that, those sweat losses. Ingesting fluid water, even sports drinks, because sports drinks are still less concentrated than your uh, extracellular fluid. Drinking those things will help dilute the, the sodium concentration back to balancing out with the intracellular fluid. So I just did it without talking there. Let me just, just kind of pause and, yeah. and just redirect if we need to. So, so, so what you're sort of saying is you don't really need the electrolytes. You need your fluids. You need your carbohydrate to be going in there, but your electrolytes is not really doing anything for you and, and when we're talking salt tablets and all that sort of stuff, not really necessary? Correct. I mean, if you just look at the basic physiology, then, then the ingestion of electrolytes is not necessary. It, drink, drinking, the, drinking fluid without electrolytes will, will achieve fluid balance just fine. Um, where, where does the relationship then come from um, where, where did it all sort of come that we need to just pump so much salt into our system you know and and there perhaps a relationship between electro oh, this might be opening up a, a topic for a whole another day but the relationship between your electrolyte balance and cramp yeah so the the, the messaging around <clears throat> the electrolytes is, is mostly coming from from industry um, and and it's funny we we kind of used to sort of you know joke in our PhD office um, in the early 2000s when all this was kind of really unfolding was, um, you know, at that point in time, uh, sports drinks companies tended to be, and probably I suspect to some degree still are, kind of saying, you need to drink this because it has electrolytes in it. You know, drink our product because it helps with your sodium or whatever. It's got a, a electrolytes and electrolytes are so important. Here's why you must drink our product because it has electrolytes in it. And we always used to joke that, you know, there's no proven 
evidence around electrolytes being important for performance or any of those things, especially in the sports world. But on the other hand, there's lots and lots of evidence that the ingestion of carbohydrate during exercise is vastly important. And to try to do uh, exercise that lasts more than about two hours without any carbohydrate ingestion is disastrous. It's a recipe for failure. Um, you know, I think, and, and the, I believe the technical term athletes use is bonking. Mm. <laughs> so um, we always used to joke that these guys are missing the boat. The, the sports drinks people, they should really be saying, drink our stuff because it's got carbohydrate. It has energy in it. Uh, and the electrolyte stuff, there's no signs to support that this is a very important thing for performance or fluid balance or anything else, despite the claims that they're going to make around that. And it's rather the carbohydrate is really why she should be in, in, uh, drinking sports drinks and their products. What's your sort of response to people that you know, often they are cramping or they're in danger in, in the race and they pop some something, you know, a chicken broth or they pop some salt tablets or something it's like spray. that and they, they seem to come right. Do you think believe yeah. that's just a placebo or, or what's going on there? I suspect it's placebo. Um, the thing about the cramps is they're terribly difficult to study. Um, we, we can't, to my knowledge, no one's been able to... Um, design a research model or, a, or a, a protocol, I mean, that allows us to, with any success, reproduce cramps in the lab. Mm. And, and that's an important thing because without being able to say, I'm going to make, I'm going to bring you to the lab, I'm going to make you do these three things. And then we know that after X amount of time, you're going to have a cramp. Um, without being able to do that with any certainty, it really prevents us from doing different interventions that will then help us understand what the mechanism is and what the solution might be. So we tend to then look at what happens in races and things like that and try to survey the athletes, try to figure out, you know, anecdotally, what are they saying is they're doing and then try to kind of, you know, fill in some gaps and, and really almost guess more than anything else what we think might be happening based on what we do understand about, about the cramps. So, it's a very tricky issue, and I, I suspect the fact that someone might, you know, drink that, uh, you know, salty solution or a spray or something like that, and the cramp miraculously disappears. Uh, I suspect that's that's placebo, although um, it's it's yet to be proven. Have you got time for two more sh small topics? Yeah, yeah, sure, guys. Come, come. It's not, um, not hard to get me to talk about this stuff. Um, so a couple of other areas I was I was really interested in is um, firstly pre-race um, hydration again often you know the common common held principle is you know in the days leading into the race you want to be yeah. drinking plenty of fluids morning of the race uh, you know get, getting yourself heavily hydrated is that important or should you just carry on as as per normal and, and not get yourself in a dehydrated state but just drink again to thirst yeah that, that's actually a relatively easy one I mean um, we as humans cannot store water. So we, we can't sort of stockpile it and, and kind of build it up, uh, make some big reserve that we can then call on uh, later in time. So we, we're very actually good at uh, regulating the fluid volume in our bodies. Um, and, you know, if you drink in excess, you will just excrete that via the urine um, in short order, probably within the next about 60 to 90 minutes or so. Um, and, and it could be, it is possible, although unlikely, 
that uh, one might be not optimally hydrated on any given day. However, what we do understand about kind of fluid consumption behaviors in, in individuals, this would be uh, active or not, is that when given access to fluids, particularly during mealtimes, we see that people ingest what they need just fine. Um, now, of course, if you're not active, then your fluid requirements are actually relatively small in a, in a given day. And it's very easy to, to accomplish those fluid requirements just from having a drink of something at, uh, at your meals. Um, obviously, if you're exercising, your fluid needs will go up. Um, however, particularly probably in sports like triathlon cycling, you're going to have access to fluids in all likelihood during your training because you've got a water bottle on the bike kind of thing. Um, running, you may or may not have access, but I suspect if it's very long, you're making a plan to have access or you're stopping someplace where you know you can get something to drink. Uh, or if the worst case scenario is you're going to finish and be pretty doggone thirsty, you're going you're gonna to catch up basically after the fact. Um, so we, we do a pretty good job when we're given access. The, the problem would only occur if for some reason you really don't have access to, to fluids. Uh, and, and then it could be that you, you, do, you are dehydrated because you're really not getting what you need only because of the excess, though. Um, so, so we can't store the water. Um, if you drink it and you don't need it, you're going to just excrete it out via the kidney and the urine. Um, and, you know, that's uh, very well understood the way that whole uh, negative feedback loop works uh, via the physiology. Mm, interesting. Well, it's also a lot of the reasons we were drinking so much before races because we thought we needed to load up on electrolytes, really. As well, yeah. so so you know, if you're saying that electrolytes aren't so important, then the need to kind of drink so much is kind of dissolves as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's also been, I mean, you know, I'm not sure how much current work is still going on, but um, when I was doing my thesis, there was a lot of, of a lot of work around this concept of, of prehydration and um, you know, trying to put some stuff, put something in the in the fluid that would uh, kind of cause the retention of the fluid for some amount of time. Typically, uh, that was glycerol, mm -hmm. uh, which tended to cause yeah a bit of GI distress in most individuals, um, and and the kind of results were 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 mixed in terms of did it actually do anything? Tended to really kind of be driven by what kind of exercise task they were asking the individuals to do, where they they might have shown an effect or not. So I, I think what they showed was. You know, if you look at all the studies, was that yes, you, you could kind of produce some kind of fluid retention by giving someone you know a, a kind of glycerol-laden substance. Um, however, you know, some people will will tolerate that, some won't. So it kind of dampens the the practicality there. And even if you are someone who can tolerate it, then um, you know the effects of of that extra fluid may or may not actually be uh, beneficial. Mm. Okay, the, the, the final area I sort of had a couple of questions around was um, the recovery from either a heavy training session or, or, or racing. So I think what we've you know, understood, or what I've understood, is it's not a, that big a deal to get dehydrated and race uh, uh, and, and still race exceptionally well. Um, but I'm really wondering about the impact in the following days. So let's say it's not necessarily a race you're doing, but a, but a heavy training session. Um, if you get yourself into quite a dehydrated state, um, what are the impacts in, the, in, the, in the, the following days in terms of, I guess, recovery, performance and so on? Yeah, good, good, good question. I mean, um, 
there have been a lot of studies where their experimental model is basically dehydrating the guys today, <clears throat> and then they'll bring them back the next day. Oh, sorry, they'll dehydrate them and then fluid restrict them for the next uh, 12 to 18 hours. Bring them back the next morning and then say, okay, please go and do some exercise, and then they'll measure the physiological response. The military was did a lot of this work. And generally, the kind of picture that you see is that sweating starts a little bit later uh, when they're very dehydrated. And as a result, you get a bit of a steeper rise in, in core temperature um, when they start exercising. And also, if you, if you really are, and, and, and by the way, the technical term here is, is actually, we call it hypohydrated. Uh, when you sort of don't hydrate all the way following some kind of exercise session, then you start the next one at, at a less than optimal uh, fluid balance. So we say you're hypohydrated. And um, there, there are, I think, were even some studies that looked at performance in those, in, in those situations and showed that there, there was a bit of a performance decrement as well. However, again, what I want to stress is that it's kind of an unrealistic situation in that they were dehydrating the guys the one day and then you know, purposefully restricting them from fluid for the next 12 to 24 hours until they came back for that second trial. So, you know, again, given access, um, it's, it's unlikely that anyone will be hypohydrated to the levels that the studies have put people to, which is sometimes two, four, six or so percent of their, of their body mass. So it, it's kind of one of these things where, Yes, if that were the case, you would expect to see a difference in your performance. And I suppose if you're talking about training, performance would be defined as being able to perform the prescribed training session. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you might see an impact there, but I think it's unlikely to have that for you to see that situation because if individuals have the access to the fluids um, and they are thirsty enough to drink, then they're in all likelihood going to replace that fluid before the next training session on that, on that following day. Within a day, there could be an issue there, obviously, where just, you know, if there's rest, if there's sleep involved or something like that, where they just might not actually kind of get it back in. But on a, on a day-to-day basis, my guess is you're, you're going to have very little effect of a previous session being so dehydrating that you don't uh, recover. Gold. Um, Jonathan, obviously people can find you guys at sportsscientist.com and, and uh, I really would encourage people... Oh, to it's a great blog. Sign Seriously, it's blog. really good. Really, really in-depth stuff, as I can t- you can tell from this conversation. So is, is there any other things you want to promote in terms of, um, you know, whether you guys have got any books out or, or anything where people can find but, out more things? Yeah, and I mean, if people do go to the Science of Sport, I mean, the one thing is you'll see at the top, we, we do have a big banner there for a book that was published in 2009. It's called The Runner's Body. I've got it. And uh, I've read got it. it. There you go. Yep, there Thank you, go. you very much. Yep. Uh, so, so we hope that's, that's useful for people. And um, we also have a pretty active uh, Facebook page, which is just the Science of Sport on, on Facebook. And, um, you know, we tried to just share very interesting links around all kinds of topics, you know, some science related, some not so sciencey, fun and things like that on the Facebook page. Uh, and you can also follow on, um, on Twitter for those of you who are out there on Twitter is, uh, at science of sport. Um, and, and, uh, that's quite an active Twitter feed that, uh, that Ross keeps going on a day to day basis too. Awesome. Uh, well, hopefully we can get you guys back on cause that was, uh, some awesome information for everybody today. I bet you'll get a lot of people speak talking because a lot of people are drinking a lot of electrolyte out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, no, guys, thanks very much for the opportunity. It's uh, it's a pleasure to really try to share the information with you guys. And, uh, I hope it's really helpful for some of the listeners out there. Oh, no, I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah, it's yes. amazing, mate. Thanks for your time, mate. You're a champion. Thanks guys. John, 
Remember a while ago we had that whole discussion around nutrition and it caused a lot of controversy and <laughs> caused us a lot of problems. Well, that's about to get worse because we've got another interview next week that's going to just... Who's mm, next week? Um, I've forgotten his name now. Um, it won't come to no, me. The paleo second. guy? No, no, this guy's... Yeah, we'll just leave that till next week. How are you John, so uh, do we stop using electrolyte now? Um, if based on Jonathan... We investigate different options. <laughs> it was uh, it good was, interview. Yeah, those, no, no, I just love. That's a great blog too. If you haven't checked it out, it's, what is it? Sportsscientists.com. Um, I just said yep. it just before. Yeah, Sportsscientists.com. Um, but it's just this. I'm just getting sick of all this marketing rubbish that we we get fed, and you just never know what to believe these days. You know, when it comes to nutrition, hydration, just everything, and it's um, I'm becoming just a lot more skeptical about things, and I don't particularly like doing it but i'm just going oh man is that just bullshit or is it real no a lot of it is john let's be honest yeah interesting stuff the thing is is that it's hard because when any change is always hard pretty much anyway but then when Mm. we have a thought or or an idea of the way we do things then when something challenges that it's it's not even like when you listen to jonathan he he, you know guy's obviously pretty smart dude and uh And you listen to that, but you have this history of experience that's told you this other thing. And so mm. even though Jonathan seems to be putting a pretty good argument forward, you kind of got that that old history in front of you that makes it hard to let go of what maybe you've done in the past. Because mm. so, I know for a lot of us out there, we've always done the, you know, the loading up on electrolytes, drinking yeah. as much electrolyte in an hour, you know, when you're training and stuff. So, and, you know, and even as a, as a professional, you know, you're thinking, well, what advice do I give from here forward? Mm. And it's... Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting discussion. Because, yeah, especially, as you said, that pre, pre-loading and uh, always carry a drink bottle around, keep sipping away on that. As, mm. as, and uh, it seems that, um, yeah, there may well be a shift in that. So fantastic stuff. I'm going to try to get those guys on um, uh, from time to time because they've got a lot of good stuff. Do you know who someone else we should have on at least like half a year? Is DC Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. We should have a tech update. Yep. You know, because tech moves so much. Okay, sponsor, John. Uh, Coffees of Hawaii. And when I went onto the Coffees of Hawaii homepage, um, the first thing that popped up in front of me, Bevan, is one of your areas of... Uh, no, go on, John. I'm pulling up now. Go on. Talk it up. The covered, but chocolate-covered beans. Oh, John. I mean, I've, I've had my glass of uh, special orange juice that you always get flabbergasted with. The that, price. Uh, the price. Uh, that's all I've had this morning. It's no, coming because I bought something like last week and I loved it, but I yeah. was just like, I couldn't do that. Oh. Yeah, it's been enough money on eight dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've we've been we've been down that path. Eight dollars. A bottle of wine costs twelve bucks. I don't drink wine. We go through Sprite's four or five like bottles a week. Yeah, four or five bottles of wine a week. Oh yeah. Now that's a question. <laughs> Back it up, actually, John. That's coming up later in the oh, show. Okay. <laughs> so get on to coffeesofhawaii.com dot com um, and you've got uh, cappuccino or well, white John, it's not just beans. a chocolate coffee. It's that it's Valentine's Day coming up, John. Oh. Actually, coming up in about one week from what's today? It's the fourteenth or the twelfth. It's something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're such romantics. Uh, so get it, yeah. Get yourself a bit of val- chocolate Valentine's because there's all that study um, saying it doesn't it lift you, lift your libido. Really? You know? yeah. I don't know if it does, but I'm going yeah. to try. Yeah. So to get you some chocolate covered beans. Get yourself a recurring delivery. They've even got some stuff. If you're listening to this and you're um, from, I think it's from. Is that Russian written up there? Yeah, it is for Russian customers. They've even got a bit of Russian up there, which I can't read. Um, Do you know what? I reckon chocolate coffee beans would be pretty scrumptious. I reckon they would be too. And you know what they've got, John, which is even better? White chocolate. White chocolate. I went to the movies, haven't I? When I saw that movie Django Unchained. Have you heard of that one? I have, but I don't know. Tarantino. I saw it on Graham Norton, that's why I knew it. Yeah, yeah. 
Graham Norton's good, isn't he? Mm. Graham Norton is very good. Mm. Yeah, this one of the program, the only program that Joe and I really make an effort of watching each week. Mm-hmm. But now we've got a recordable box. But anyway, right. Django Unchained. What am I talking about? Oh yeah, Django Unchained. Went to Django Unchained. Highly recommend it. It's a very good movie. And uh, I bought some chocolate because I, I always go mm-hmm. movies. That's one of the reasons I like going to movies because I allow myself to have junk food. And you should get totally shafted <laughs> on the price. <laughs> no, no, we go supermarket. Oh, yeah. I don't buy food. <laughs> I take the supermarket. I'm that guy. There's no way I'm paying movie prices for food. <laughs> it's ridiculous, Sean. Ridiculous. Popcorn. How's, how much does it cost to make popcorn? Ten cents. Yeah. And they charge you five bucks. Can't, yeah. I can't do it, John. I can't do it because <laughs> the food for if you go movies, although the palms get back to your chocolate story. No, no, the palms. <laughs> they're only charging ten dollars a movie nowadays. Yeah. So the reasonable price. But the food is a rip-off. So they go to the supermarket, two-minute walk from there, so I go to the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Bought some chocolate. I thought, oh, because I normally do my dark chocolate, you know that, mm-hmm. and partial to a bit of white chocolate. Yes. So I bought myself some white chocolate because I was doing a treat at the movies. Bought myself my white chocolate, sat down, and it wasn't white chocolate. It was just normal <laughs> chocolate. And I was still was chocolate, but I wasn't happy. But if your coffee's of Hawaii, the good thing is they do white chocolate as well. Yes. White chocolate coffee beans, that'd be a different flavour, wouldn't that'd it? That'd be delicious. But you know, why would you be after some of that? Because yeah, sugar that. and caffeine. So check it out, coffeesofhawaii.com. All the promo codes are on imtalk.me. If you've ever got any issues with any of the orders, just pop them an email. The, um, the team there are awesome. Oh, and get dark it. chocolate. And dark. Get one of each. Even got a measuring spoon. If you, if, just think coffee, think coffees of Hawaii. Mm. There you go. See what I did there? Nice. Okay, John, what do uh, we talk about now? Uh, we'll go website of the week. Are we going to do that? Yeah, we'll do website. I thought you want to be finished in 10 minutes. Um, we'll push through this. We've already done. And yeah, we've got to, we're going to go over two hours. We, can, we don't have to do website of the week. Okay, we'll save website of the week. We'll save that for next week. Okay, we'll go on to questions and answers. How many more sponsors do we have to do? That's the Fine. key. Okay, so we'll do questions and answers and sponsors. Fine. It's great we have these conversations with you guys rather than doing them off air. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> we get emails every week. I love those random conversations you have. Okay, questions and answers. Smithy's got this one through. He's got John's Jelly Belly. John... Recently, I've been listening to hear John talking about his Project 2014 and the fact that he needs to cut down on his feeding. He talked about portion sizes, drinking water, and other techniques for losing weight and toning up. What I'd be interested to hear about is his plan for alcohol consumption, because apparently he drinks five bottles a week of wine. It's not bottles of beer. For Project 2014 timeframe, on my part, years back, I was told that any alcohol in your system restricts the muscles in relation to the time it takes to repair themselves after a session having my two previous Ironmans at just over 12 hours I was keen to break the 12 hour time barrier I gave up alcohol for four months leading up to my next Ironman I went six minutes faster than the previous year same course just not worth it so my experience is a little bit is okay he'll be interested in your view John well my policy to alcohol consumption is a little different to my wife's um, oh, she an elky yeah. <laughs> just got to put up with a lot um so I'm not cutting out alcohol. I don't drink. Uh, what drink do you mean? So what's Belinda's policy? As much as possible every night. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, so I'm She's not, a wino. I, I don't drink much beer at the moment. Um, so what just do you prefer, to, beer or wine? Uh, it varies a bit, but I generally generally drink wine because that's generally what's in the fridge. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm just restricting myself to weekends at the moment. Oh, so no weekday wine. Very very. Do you seldom. miss it? Sorry. Because you're, you're, like, you're like your glass of wine. Yeah, I'm okay with it. It's a bit, it's a bit, a bit hard over the holidays and stuff. I've, and criteria was this policy did not exist. Um, no, because holidays, yeah. I'm in Australia, bro. Holidays, man. 
yeah. So I'll be I'll restricting my alcohol intake. I certainly would not have alcohol anywhere near um, post training, but most of my training is going to be early morning. So sometimes in the evenings um, over the weekends, but that's about as far as I'll restrict it. Um, come come race time, it will be severely restricted, and I'll be off it probably um, for you know for, for quite a period beforehand. Why? Like if a glass of wine tonight's not going to kill you? I don't know. It's just one 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 tiny little molecule percentage that um, I don't I can I can live without. But for now. I can't live without. How often when you have a glass of wine at night, do you get a bit of a shine on? Sorry? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Semi-regularly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's so foreign to me because I don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. Weekend, most weekends. <laughs> you just got to sit there quite a little bit. Have a beer throw Yeah. Hey, give me a honey, give me a hug. Once we finish that second bottle, it's, uh, it's, yeah, all, it's all on for young and old. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It'll be interesting to see what most people's policy is on that because mm. I don't think drinking and general if anybody's got, got any science out much. there um, in terms of uh, you feel free to flick it through to us. Sure, excessive drinking, but oh, if yeah. you, you know, it's, you know, us guys can, us Iron Men can afford to bloody a few calories in our diet. There we go. There we go. John, just just Bainsy, which mm. Bainsy's been heard from a while since he's been a dad. Mm. You know, times change, but he's just sent us through a list of these are just the Iron Man races. In the UK for this year? 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22. I lost my sight there. About 24, 23, something like that. Just in the UK. That's ridiculous. Well, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's cool. Oh, no, it's cool. I'm not saying it's not saying ridiculous as it's stupid or anything. I'm just saying that's ridiculous that they've gone from a few years ago when I was over there, and that was, I suppose it was a few years ago, that was, uh, we came back in 2004. Four, um, there was one, maybe two, maybe maybe three, maybe three. Yeah, L- less than yeah, less than five, and in, in, in the space of uh, seven or eight years, there's now twenty three or something. That is great for you guys. So much choice. Well, I think the thing that's really interesting about the UK ones is that they're able to bring in races. Like, sure, there are non Ironman brand, brand races out there, and there's non there's a challenge, obviously. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a challenge, obviously, and then there's races that have been around for a long time who do okay with numbers just because they've got a history like Ember Man and, mm. and races like that. But there's not many. You don't hear of many new Iron Distance races come along and do really well. Mm. You know, what I mean, you know, they might get a couple hundred people, but you know, whereas in the UK they seem to be able to put on, you know, the Outlaw Forestman. I'm not sure how much new Forestman gets, but you know, they they seem to be able to bring new races in that aren't under a big brand and sell really well. Oh, John, you've got uh, yeah. Why is the hash not working? Why is Hush not working? Because you didn't turn on, did you? I had it turned on every week. Oh, that's weird. But anyway, they're able to to do that, aren't they? They're able to bring out these races and actually do pretty well in them mm. for numbers, you know, for an event, you know. So it's just, you know what I think it is, John? What? They love the triathlon. Oh, they do. It's, they're bloody successful at it. Yeah. You know, um, in terms of at an elite level, uh, incredibly successful. Um, they've got fantastic programs now. Who, who, who gets the credit for that? Oh, a big part of it would be um, British Triathlon because in the London Olympics, I, I think, and you guys can tell me otherwise, you, you guys live over there, but they've they've invested so much in uh, in development. I guess that spawns, you know, just across, you know, if kids start doing it, then their parents might start getting involved, and um, and so I think, you know, I think. 
I would be interested to see why people get into it, but I think uh, a lot of it is um, it's got a good profile in terms of um, yeah, the, the, inter- elite the performances. Great work, aren't they? You um, know, and like it's just great to have so much passion for our it's sport. It's not the most conducive environment for training in a lot of the cities. I know you've got some beautiful countryside. I've been to lots of different places, and it's it gets a bit of a bad rap, but you don't have the best climate relative to say Europe and things like Australia. that. Um, so well done, Poms. Yeah, good work. The pig, that'd be a good one to do. Or the yes, brutal. The brutal. And a lot of them are tough ones. You know, they're not just um, Hey, if you're doing the pig. Flat ones. <laughs> I don't they're, think it's an easy race. No, they're, they're so well done. Okay, John. Um, are we, are we, no no race finishes this week? I don't think so. We're not going to wait until we know there's been a race. Yeah. When's the next race? I'm in New Zealand. I'm in New Zealand. Or Abu Dhabi. When's that? That's oh, about the same time. Might even be the same weekend, I think. Mm. Yeah. Brownlee's racing. Yeah, but he's only doing half. It doesn't count. Is he doing the half? Yeah. I think, is he, is he, only, is he doing the full half? Is he doing team? full half. No, is he doing team half? He's just doing half. 1K, 100K, 10K. 95% sure. Okay. It's 5% of doubt there. 95% <laughs> sure. <laughs> Don't put your house on it. No. Sponsors. SLSTry.com. Yes, tell us about it. Um, well, I went onto their Facebook page and... Uh, Did you? Yeah, I did. I did, Bevan. I went onto their Facebook page. I'm going to do that right now myself. And it was good to see the old, um, the big man, Pete Rebrusic up there, you know, racing in his race day sleeves. Um, and that was out in, uh, I think, the, the Israel man that he did um, a few weeks ago. Um, but they had, a, oh, oh, that's new. What? <laughs> Certain someone's all of a sudden turned up on their Facebook page. That wasn't their... That's, that's been posted in the last two hours so I did not know about that oh you're a superstar mate oh, you can't go, go anywhere you're like paparazzi there we go I've made, uh, I've made it look at that's, this that's it I've made it onto SLS there we go he's on the, he's on the Facebook page and oh. someone's even got I like this colour ah and somebody thought it was Raymond Botello in action and then Raymond Botello says that's not me who's Raymond Botello <laughs> I don't know oh, professional athlete mate there you go. So go SLS um, try on um, Facebook and you'll be able to see the I Am Talk race suit in action. And later in this uh, this year, SLS are going to have a, the full range of I Am Talk gear. They're going to have um, tri suits. Uh, they're going to have tri tops, tri bottoms. Um, I've got the swim togs in development. We'll be doing them independently and the swim caps. But um, SLS will have uh, I Am Talk stuff. And then they're going to be at like pretty much all the North American Ironmans. Um, they're going to be at a lot of the hits races. So then you guys can go and actually fit up and uh, and get yourself all sized up for that but if you want to get any other gear I also noticed on their Facebook page uh, oh they've got their nice big new mobile unit there oh look they've at got that some cool new designs coming out with the got the grill at the front yeah they've got some cool new designs coming out with their socks um, so go to slstry.com use the code IAMTALK and you get uh, your compression gear nice big discount I'm stoked I'm on, I, made, I made it on Facebook Bevan I made it I made it, I made it. You can retire now. Yeah, so check it out, slstry.com, use the code IMTALK and uh, look out for more gear coming up. I've got to say, the, the race suit worked really well. It's the first time I've, first time I've ever worn a tri suit in a race, ever. Really? Yeah, ever. How come? Um, just, I just never, I've always just worn a two-piece. But have you ever used a tri suit before? Never. I just said I never had. No, but no, but in training? No, never. First time I've ever so used it. So first time it. ever used one? First time ever. And it did you well. like it? Yeah, it went well. Why did you like it? Um... I don't know, just felt felt comfy. Nothing sort of right. Nothing rides up really, um, because uh, often you know your top sometimes rides yeah. up. And um, did no, you feel slick? Well, I look slick. That's all that matters. Yeah, I know, but you know sometimes when you I don't actually, I'm not happy with my knee knee, knee lift there. Yeah, I didn't notice it. I was I was, uh, I was, I was running pretty poorly. 
Like Blunder did good photography. Pretty much every shot she managed to get was oh no, you got hasher on no, now. No, this is the computer, not my phone. <laughs> uh, so check it out, slstry.com. Joe, Pussy, Joe and I have got this new. Joe got an iPhone, which mm. is good because she got my old iPhone and I got my new one. And now she's in my world, which is good because I love her. But mm. she puts all these reminders on everything. So and <laughs> they do alarms at me, and so I've just been reminded I'm going to Melbourne tomorrow. I knew that. <laughs> so and I, that's why it beeped John it wasn't my fault right so yep. what's happening in your world Bevan John I'm going to Melbourne tomorrow because <laughs> <laughs> you've been just reminded we're going to go see Cirque du Soleil nice mm. cool I've never done that but I've signed up I was on my list I want to do yeah well I went, went years ago I went to Vegas and um, I gambled because mm. I thought I want to be like John Newsom, yeah. and um, and I gambled and I won. Mm. And I, I put twenty bucks down. And I think I won four hundred US, which mm. is pretty good. Nice. And um, and so and you know the key to gambling is knowing when to stop. So I stopped, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I went to Soleil over there, and I went to see the the show called O, which is right. based yep, on yep, water. Yep, came from New Zealand. Yeah, no, I didn't. Didn't it? No, <laughs> no. I thought it did. It's the only one that doesn't travel. Okay. Well, cool. it's one of the only ones because it's um. The stage is a, is a pool, basically. Cool. It's a swimming pool that goes up and down. Yep. So sometimes it's a pool and sometimes it's a stage. Cool. And it was fun. You, you don't even look at me when you... What are you looking I've at? I've got some good news for you oh. after the show, don't worry. <laughs> he's looking He's looking over there. He's reading his emails. He's just nodding. He's going, oh, cool. <laughs> Cirque du Soleil, oh. So it doesn't, doesn't travel anywhere. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. So water... And it was amazing, John. <laughs> it was amazing. He looks at his emails again. So anyway, so we're going to go to that. I might get... Oh, he shut his... Good, good, well done. <laughs> you had to be here. Um, so we're going to see. I might go see Jersey Boys. Oh, we, Belinda and I nearly went to that. <laughs> yeah, nearly. Were. It was up in Auckland. I was going to take her on a romantic weekend away. And why didn't you? Didn't off. <laughs> she didn't get excited about it. What is, what is the what is their, what's their theme song in that? Good girls, they don't cry. Well, no, it's a different one. They sing um, summer. Um, didn't they sing '69 as well? Yeah. Okay. Good. No. Oh, cool. You're going for it. I love live shows. Mm. Do you like live shows? I haven't been to many, so but I, I would like to go to well, some. Well, you took your partner to a romantic weekend. So what, she didn't seem through, so you just didn't bother? Yeah. So what did you do? And, and, and I think we went to the World well Try Champs. <laughs> <laughs> and we go, next time we go to Auckland, we're going up for the ITU Worlds. But it is a good weekend away from the kids, and it's a couple. We have a couple of couples, so it all works out well. Oh, that's all good. Mm-hmm. So doing that, and then I'm going to do some shopping. Mm-hmm. I need some new clothes. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you? I thought that. Yeah, look at it. Yeah, you're looking rough. I know. Well, I always look pretty rough, to be honest. Um, What else has been happening, John? Um, Kids are back at school. Mm -hmm. My daughter's in her first important year. I had the big talk with her. Mm -hmm. Tell you what, I I read a really good book called, wait a second, Instant Influence. Now you go to your phone. No, well, it's an audio book. Joe might have put a reminder what book you're reading. (laughs) Look at that. It's an an audio book called Instant Influence, and it's... um, very good book around some questioning that we can use to, to help change. Just go back to my emails. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out, Instant Influence. It's very good. Nice. Um, and, and other than that, John. I'm just pushing along. I've got to, go, I've got to bike fit in 27 minutes. Oh, you have time. Mm-hmm. Where, where's this new shop? Uh, it's in the tannery development. So it's called oh, Bike Cycle. Um, and it's going to be amazing when it's all done. The bike shop's looking fantastic. Who owns it? Um, bunch of guys. <laughs> I'll get the surnames wrong if I get them. But Craig Sherritt's going to be the guy that I'm going to be dealing with there, and he's we're going to have him on the show quite a bit. He is a power guru. And, uh, oh, really? And, yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting all set, set on that. Um, okay, John, what about you? What have you been up to? Thomas's first day at school <gasps> yesterday. How was that? Did you that go? That was pretty cool. Um, no, Blind dropped him off. I had, to take, go. I had to take Felicity the other direction. 
Oh. I'll tell you what though, um, what, I, what I did do is I've got, a, the weekend I've got the neighbour over and I'm borrowing his bike seat that goes on the back of the bike for a kitty to sit in there. What, you're just borrowing it? Well, I'm going to buy it off him, but he said just try it out first. And uh, How much is it going to cost you? Oh, it's not much. Um, but those things are designed for mountain bikes with decent sized tyres and not really designed for, for a high end road, road, road bike. Well, why are you putting on you? No, it's not bike? going on my new one. Oh. Um, it's just going on my, my roadie. And uh, it's pretty tricky with a Felicity's pretty big. And uh, yeah, on thin tyres, <laughs> Belinda was a little nervous when I rode off, as was I. Um, but how, we, how we coped okay. Yeah, once you get a bit of speed up, it's okay. But you, cornering. You've got a lot of, of ear in your tyres? Yeah, but cornering and stuff is a little. Uh, it's, but it's good times. You get on the back there, mate. She's fine. I've got it under control. <laughs> She's fine. She's got a helmet. So how did you find school? Uh, it was good. Yep, loving it. They don't do four hours, or is he doing four no, hours? Four days, five full days, back to back. Boom, straight into Are it. Are you loving it? Well, well, yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. You get some life back, don't you? Yep, and uh, that's about it. If you anything, if you want to find out what else is going on in my life, go to coachjohnproject2014.com. It's, I'm pretty excited about it. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah. really. I, I actually have already been on it. You, how many views you had? A thousand? Because I'm sure I've checked it out a thousand times in the last day. I'll go check it out. When I, I'll let you know. Yeah, a thousand a minute. Anything yeah. else? Oh, guys, Legends. Legends Triathlon. Um, so John Hellmans was on last week. I think we might have mentioned that it was coming up, um, but awesome Oh, great interview. interview. So one thing that I, I did put in the show notes here, I think one of the things that we probably didn't discuss after the show, which I really enjoyed him saying right at the end, was uh, you know not asking not what you can get from the sport, but what you can do for the sport. Well, it's a really good point because I think, and I'm going to do it as well, is we, we, we're pretty selfish with the sport. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, most most people who do our sport don't really give a lot back to it. No, they think paying is is their giving back, which yeah. it is to a degree. And I and, and um, well, I think you go and what people are paying you are. You know, like yeah. if you're going like an Ironman, you're paying eight hundred bucks, whatever it is. Okay, well, yeah, you know, I'm taking from that event. Mm. You're paying thirty bucks for a local triathlon, mm. which really is not a profit thing. It's just making sure it's covering costs. Occasionally, you have to give back for those. Mm. Um, I think I once gave back to triathlon. Well, you give back in different ways, I think. So, you Thanks, know, do, doing the show Thanks. and yeah. um, commentating yeah. events, you know, I think that's that's the thing. But yeah, if, because I'm from an organisational point of view, from from being in the club and from organising races, it, it is a bit of a nightmare. And it's it's people don't do crap. You know, people who have been involved in the sport for a long, long time. A lot of people have never done one single thing. <laughs> well, I think uh, the unfortunate thing is that it's some people end up doing everything, don't they? Mm, you know mm. what I mean? And it's uh, and it's a pretty selfless kind of role just and thankless as well just giving well. up one day of your year to help marshal an event or or to help I don't know do just do something um, just one, even if it's just one day if everybody did that far out man things would be a lot more of us so to give you an example like when I put something out for races that I organise to the triathlon club we've got about 300 people on that I'd be lucky if I get two or three people putting their hand up to say I can come and help out marshal and it's pretty much the same people every time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Come on, to Canterbury Triathlon Club, Christchurch. Yeah. Is it Canterbury? Canterbury. Sharpener. Yeah. I've got one of the tops. Yeah. It's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. John, I've got an idea. Yep. I know you've you, you got 20 minutes. You'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened to a podcast called Mark Kumode and Simon Mayo Movie Reviews. It's probably my favourite podcast. Outside of I'm Talking Legends of Triathlon. <laughs> Obviously. Which you listen to religiously. Yep. Five, five times a day after I check out your website. Yep. And then um, and they're doing this thing because it's a movie show and it's really good. If you like movies, it's the best movie podcast there is. But they, um, they, they're doing this thing where they're trying to help people identify if they're listeners in movie theatres. And they're trying to figure out what the way it is. And, and I'm thinking maybe what we could do is have a way to figure out as another Iron Man listener at the start line. I'm talk listener. Yeah. Yeah. So is there something you yell out or 
You know what I mean? So that when you know, just before you know, like that last minute, you yell out, I don't know, maybe it's Kia Kaha or something, you know. And it's you know, so the other people in the, and the other people yell Kia Kaha as well. And then you Bevan, know, Bevan James Isles is a tosser. How would you know? There you go. That's a chart. That's it. <laughs> Other things. Five five minutes. We could start. we could make a discussion. Okay. What would be the thing that we would yell out? Okay. So that before a race, you yell out, you know, Kia Kaha. Right. Write a note. Put that for next week's show, or email it to me. Note. Yeah. I wrote a note. There you go. Good. <laughs> That's next week's discussion. Good idea. You like that one, don't you? Yeah, it's a good one. Because then when you're doing Project 2014, you can yell it out. Oh, but yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll yell it out in my mind. <laughs> in your mind, yeah. I'll go so, and people will just hear it. That'll be so powerful, I won't have to open my mouth. You'll be like a superhero. Right, let's go. You I'm Russ. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.